begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Outer Rim Transmission. This is episode number 69. Back with the full crew with Milton and with Ben this week. We're talking all about the brand new spectacular Andor trailer. Some more on a follow-up for the Light and Magic documentary, as well as a brand new Lego Star Wars special that is the summer vacation. So first things first, it's been a couple weeks since we heard from Milton, so we're going to check in. How was your vacation? I know you have a lot to say about the ILM documentary, so just spill it off for us right now, man. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, it's glad to be back. Uh, vacation was great. I always recommend anyone to take a vacation. That's what they're meant to be, is something to be relaxing and to escape the real world. Um I mean, I'll get into it. So the ILN documentary, I messaged you guys last week. I believe it was on Friday when I got back from Florida. I legit watched that whole documentary from about 8 o'clock at night, let's say 7 o'clock at night to about 1 o'clock in the morning. I finished all six episodes. I think it was six episodes. Yep. Yeah, banged them out because I was hooked. Uh, always been a big fan of behind the scenes. Always been a big fan of how Star Wars is made, just overall storytelling in general. And just to get the, the the behind the scenes of how ILM was formed was amazing. It's like how how integral a part that John Dykstra played in the early stages of ILM was amazing. And I knew who that person was, but I didn't know how significant he was to the creation of that particular you know company. And the legacy still lives on today. So overall, I love the documentary. I it was one of my favorite documentaries. I can go back and probably watch it again. That's how much I loved it. And I loved how personal they got with the different people that joined the company as the years went on. So it's one of the better documentaries that Lucasfilm has put on since, you know, that they've started their company. Um, I would say this is probably top five of all of them I've seen thus far. And what's nice is Lawrence Kazan directed all the episodes. So it was nice to see that, you know, an original Star Wars guy was you know, the the person to put it together somewhat, or at least to shape what the documentary was going to be. So I enjoyed it. If I had to score it out of a 10, it's a 10 out of 10. Oh, you know what? No, actually, it's a 12 out of 10. That's how perfect it was. Yeah, I watched episode two because, uh, as me and Ben were saying last week, we're just kind of doing one a week, especially now Cassie and Andor got delayed. It's like, okay, let's mm -hmm. let's really space all this out uh, to try to give a little Star Wars every week. Uh, so I watched it. Uh, yesterday and it was really cool because I haven't seen a documentary that goes that in depth with George Lucas in the beginning of that second yeah. episode I've read a lot of his history I know a lot about the car crash all about that stuff but all the and we said this last week all the interviews with George Lucas is so cool like seeing all this new footage of George just talking and in these interviews he was like having a good time like he was laughing and he, I was like holy crap like he's He's really enjoying this, and that that for me was is pretty neat. Seemed like a candid version of of George Lucas, and him just like laughing about like the whole heart attack thing. He's like, "Oh, you know, if if I would have been dead," he said something about like really morbid about being dead or something. And I just laughed because I was like, "Whoa, George, you are, right. you have a deep end, man." But yeah, um, John Dirkstra, man, he was instrumental. I've heard about him from some of the behind the scenes of Star Wars that I read about, but like. It's cool, again, having all these guys, pretty much all of them still hanging around, being able to actually, you know, firsthand talk about their experience and see them, like, in that 50-year-old footage, like, how young they look and then right. seeing, like, how they look now. It's, like, so crazy. Um, but how far behind they were is, like, shocking. And until they got that lady Rose to, like, 
right. start putting a schedule down, it was like, holy crap, no wonder why George Lucas was oh. having a heart attack. Almost. And, and I mean, and, and I remember reading about a lot of this and like, you know, documentaries and whatnot, or just reading them in books. And yeah, it, that's expected. Even how now that we get the full picture of why they were behind in that movie, it's expected because they were all a rogue group of people. They were the rebel. I think the one lady says they were. We were the rebellion, you know, of yep. FX and movie making. So it would make sense that they would be so new, but not have a direction on how to proceed. You know, they were so busy spending the money on developing the technology, which was key. However, you still had to shoot the, the scenes and get everything. You know, on schedule, which luckily they brought someone in to get things, you know, to short, the, to short, short, sort the ship, you know. And obviously, as you see, you guys only what saw episode one and two, correct? At least yep. I've only seen episode two. OK, yeah. So you'll get to see how L- how how ILM was then later taken on to a next level and what happens to John. Oh, well, I already know about him well, like, you, leaving I mean, yeah. at some point. Let's be real here. It's been, what, 45 years, whatever, like, spoilers. <laughs> he, he he doesn't stay with the company, but you'll see why he doesn't stay with the company. You'll see why it was best for ILM to go into a different direction. Okay. Hey, ben, what are some of your thoughts from episode two? Yeah, I would say um, <clears throat> the second episode I've I liked – even more than the first episode, and the first episode was incredible. Um, just because, you know, what you mentioned, Chris, to start, like, your whole sh- um, whole uh, the intro to all of this, like, you know, seeing so much of George and hearing him talk so candidly and having a good time and everything, it's just so refreshing, you know, because us as Star Wars fans, like, you know, since the Disney t- purchase, um, you know, there's always that kind of, like, um elephant in the room i would say of like the fans being you know in the back of our heads like man george lucas isn't involved in this stuff you know so it's kind of that weird elephant in the room so like just seeing him actually candidly involved in this documentary is awesome and just you know getting the different tidbits and behind the scenes things um you know hearing him laugh as you mentioned was was great and then you know just i you know hearing him talk so like frankly and openly about like hey you know, we had to create our special effects company because there was literally none in the entire yeah. world. So, like, you know, just that type of innovation shows, uh, you know, shows how much bigger George Lucas is in Hollywood and in, you know, the entertainment industry than just Star Wars alone. Like, ILM and its, like, impacts on uh, movie making and filmmaking and TV and, um, I guess, TV making would you know it, it's just far bigger than even star wars is arguably just because it's revolu- revolutionized like the entire industry mm-hmm. and and that's what's nice about this documentary once you guys get into the next four episodes you're going to see the impact it's made and it, it's it i'll tell you what the i believe the gentleman who's the um who's the uh puppet master um ah, i forget his phil name tippett? phil tippett yes his story because they, they, they go into a lot of these characters. They pretty much, like, say, like, Phil Tippett, um, John Knoll, and who's he, the bald-headed guy that was in it? I forget his I know his name. Dan Marin? With the glasses. Yeah, Dan Marin. They're like, they're, like, the four horsemen. And John Dykstra, they're, like, the four horsemen of, like, you know, of ILM, but also of, like, you know, FX. And then, obviously, when John leaves, Steven Spielberg's going to really love having those three guys around to make his films. Like, you're going to see how much Steven appreciates oh. those three guys and how impactful 
they were, especially on Jurassic Park. That's, I mean, that's good to hear. Um, you know, it makes me look forward to the next few episodes even more, just because, like, I absolutely love seeing Spielberg in the second oh, episode. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. he's 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 my guy. Like, to me, I think uh-huh. he's the best director of all time, like, bar none. So, like, just yep. seeing him, like, him even involved in this documentary yeah. is great because, you know, he, he knows how big it is. And, like, he, and I just loved hearing his story when um when they were talking about that, when they were showing the first rough cut of Star Wars. And it's funny, like, you know, all the other friends were just kind of, like, meh on it. And, you know, he was the only one that, like, really liked it, even in the yeah. rough cut. So, um, you know, it shows even back then, like, he had the eye for really good movies. Right. Yeah, it, I'm telling you guys, once you once you get through these next four episodes, you're going to be like, it's worth it. I, I kid you not. Like, I know people could say, oh, you know, you're just living in the moment and, nah. you know, just going off of vanity and just your love for, for movie making in and, and general. No, this is one of the better documentaries I've watched in a long time. Well, like it's, well, it's, it's, it's not nev- – there's not one bad episode that I was like, oh, this is stupid. I'm like, oh, I'm eating it up the whole time. Well, here's well, the thing. Know, here's – Okay, because I seen on on the Star this week in Star Wars, uh, Kristen Weber was actually um, interviewing Lawrence Kasdan, who directed and executive produces and everything. I think the difference is like this guy who put this together is used to like working on big budget movies of fiction, mm-hmm. so he has that way of like telling a story with his own characters, and in yes. this he's like bringing the story out of his own friends. Exactly, he's having and they're embellishing it, and that the, his direction with that helps, I think. Oh, without question. That's why I said it was a great benefit to have Lawrence direct this because I think if it was just like, I'm I'm at those shade, but if it was one like you know a regular Disney documentary mm-hmm. maker, I don't know if it would have been the same because I really feel like because Lawrence, Lawrence knows the property whether it's Indiana Jones or Star Wars, and he knows George and Steven and Darren or um, Phil Tippett and John. No, he knows these guys, so he knows how to how to tell their story. He knows how to embrace their strengths. He even knows how to embrace their weaknesses and say these are the low points of how we were making these films yeah. or what the struggles we had. You know, one particular part in the documentary you're going to see is, uh, Doug, is it Doug Chang? Oh, yes. Yeah. He, his story is told. His story is amazing. And they go into the. There's so many people that I didn't realize that had such an impact on this company where I'm thinking, man, I really need to go back and like look into some of these people that were then added on later as like the decades. So in the eighties it became like obviously what it became. But even in the nineties when they're going more of a digital route, which is huge, and we're and we're gonna see why how impactful digital filmmaking has made with movies and TV, how that really just stuck with me because I'm like, man, I didn't realize like this person was like that responsible or they had this impact on how to make this movie. You know, so I mean again, one big two big films are gonna talk about. Jurassic Park and T2, Terminator 2. Oh. Those two movies are really going to be something that once you get to those episodes, you're going to be like, oh, wow, like how impactful that changed the game. And even mm-hmm. The Abyss by uh, James oh. Cameron, they, they talk oh, about that. Oh, yeah. Those, I mean, those things are, um, you know, mega impactful, not even just like watching this documentary, like knowing, you know, seeing other documentaries over the years, like how impactful ILM was on those, um, those specific movies. And like another thing that, um, that we'd mentioned like to start um, to start all of this is like, I think, you know, uh, you know, like you both mentioned about like Kasdan, you know, directing it and, you know, putting this thing together. I really would have almost a skeptical eye of 
if they would have been able to get all of these people to be involved with the documentary, specifically George Lucas. Like, if you just mm. have some John Smith, whoever, directing and making this, would have George, no, you know, probably actually, have done it. I would say, actually been involved? And I, I really don't think so. So, like, to me, you right. know, hats off to them that uh, Kaznan, like, did it. Because I think without him, George wouldn't be doing this. It's not like I he agree. needs the money. Right, yeah. so it's like yep. his good friends like ask him for a favor, like, "Hey, I'm putting this together." He'd probably be like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Yeah, so yep. that that, that, that you makes can tell, sense. You can tell everyone in this documentary loves each other. They're friends. They have great respect. They're all close. They're they're willing to be vulnerable. And Phil Tippett's one of those guys. Once you get, trust me, once you get to his part of the documentary, mm. when they focus on him, you're gonna feel how vulnerable he is oh. because of his craft and his up and his background. Um, even Another thing is going to pop up because I'm so excited talking about this. They talk about Ralph McQuarrie and how impactful he was. There's another matte painter that I didn't realize who it was that was just as impactful as Ralph McQuarrie in doing the matte paintings mm. for Star Wars. And you're going to see his story and how he comes from like a legacy of Disney culture. And, you know, it's dope. Well, like, we've just seen watch, that guy. I don't know his name. I know who you're I talking forget about. His name. Yeah. Yeah, I forget his name because I was like, oh, I've seen him before, but then I didn't realize how important he was. And I'm thinking, oh, this is amazing. Like, just, I, I can watch this again. Now, that's how good it is. It's yeah. entertaining as heck. Like, I didn't oh. expect to be, like, that drawn in. Like, oh, I got to, I was basically like, oh, I got to watch this this week. And then within mm -hmm. five minutes, it was like one of those tasks almost. Like, Done. I got to watch this. And then, and then within five minutes, I was like, oh, screw that. I'm, I'm really enjoying this a lot more <laughs> than I thought I would. Yeah. Oh, for sure. One of the funniest lines, too, that came out of the second episode was I thought it was funny when George was talking about when he was going around pitching this movie to different studios. I think oh, it was yeah. like at Warner, maybe Warner, maybe another one of the studios. They had mentioned they were like they, had, you know, he was describing Star Wars and and whoever the executive was, was like, oh, you know, this is probably some type of a movie like Disney would do. And, you know, it's just ironic now that yeah, Disney owns yeah. it. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That was great. Oh, man. But, but fantastic. If anybody out there is not watching the ILM Light and Magic documentary series six part on Disney Plus, then, then you're missing out because it's it's something else. Um, and, you know, going to do some housekeeping as usual. If you are listening to our podcast, we always go live 9 o'clock Eastern on Fridays over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Raptor. And you can always listen to us on the row on the go uh, wherever your podcasts are found, searching Outer Room Transmission. Um, and you can always chat live with us here in the chat room. So getting into it, Ben, do you have anything else um, do you want to bring up Star Wars-wise before we jump into our our main topics here? I, um, I got something to say, but other than that... Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I really don't have any, like, too many, like, mega Star Wars type, type uh, things this week, really, other than, like, you know, when I was I went out and, you know, I was telling you guys before uh, we we went live, I went on a kayaking trip a couple times this week, actually. And, you know, just uh, like seeing some of the scenery like out about like like the down trees and like the forests all around the rivers where we were mm -hmm. kayaking and stuff. Like it just kind of reminded me of like a like Endor, or, like some type of a Star <laughs> Wars environment, you know, just because like there was one. um There was one we actually had to like kayak underneath. It, it was like one. It was like a big really big wide tree like at a like a triangle angle like across uh across the river so you know just like kayaking underneath that it just felt like something you'd see on endor so you know nothing nothing too big really in uh in like 
in like say the actual Star Wars realm, just more like seeing environments that kind of reminded me of Star Wars. Yeah, that that is funny because I think of the same thing myself. Yeah, it's either, it's either that or Jurassic Park. I think of like if yep. I'm going through a forest, I'm like, I feel like I'm in the Lost World. There's a Stegosaurus or there's a T Rex that's roaming around a corner, or there could be some Wookies or something in the trees. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yep. it's always fun to think about. Um, yeah, for actually, me, I, I yeah, do have some ahead. to add, but I'll I'll go, oh, yeah. Chris. I'll, I'll go after you. Okay. Um, I, I teased something earlier in the week. I'm not ready to show it off yet because they're not out of the boxes yet. And uh, I feel like it would be funner to just show these things out of the box because um, they have some playability to them, um, which could be fun. So crossing my fingers, I'll have that, that stuff ready to go for next week. But in the meantime, there was an update for Star Wars The Old Republic. It's going on its 10th year now. Uh, they finally got an update out, which uh, includes some some more story content with Darth Malgus, uh, with the Manan. There's this planet called Manan. If you're familiar with, that's the Old Republic. It's the underwater planet with these neutral species called the Selkath that are fighting over the Kalto uh, between the Empire and between the Sith and all that. So that's going on in the game. You can actually go to Manan. It was actually pretty good. I got to admit, it was actually pretty fun because they've since implemented it on the game, implemented it on the game. So now you could have, like, you could group up with Sith characters and different things like that if you're Republic. So it was a lot of fun because I was, you know, the first day or two of a new content expansion in any game, there's always a ton of people in whatever new place, new content that is. So there's plenty of people going around killing a bunch of Sith troopers and whatnot, and I was grouping up with some random people. You know, it's always a fun, like, Star Wars fantasy when you're, like, an archetype character like I am, the big you know, strong commando, like a character from like you might see in the Clone Wars, big Gatling gun type thing. And then there's there's like a bounty hunter dude like with dual pistols like flying up in the air shooting while there's a Jedi like smacking him in the face. It's, it's that kind of fantasy stuff that I love when it comes to this game and why I still play it 10 years later. Um, and it's been a while since I'd done like group content like that. So for me, I just want to say I, I enjoyed my time and it was a lot better than when the expansion first came out in February. Um, Star Wars The Old Republic is not the best place right now because like a, a week or two ago they lost their game director, which is basically like you lose that and it's like, okay, that's like literally like you're a director for a movie. You lose your director. It's like, uh, what's going to happen? So right now the game's kind of in a flux. We're hoping that, you know, obviously it's going on. Um, to live on and on and on, but who knows? But for right now, I'm having a good time. So that's that's my week in Star Wars. Yeah, you mean look, you know how I feel about the video games when it comes to Star Wars. Like it's been goofy to me, up and down. But like I said, I'm I'm gonna give this a chance eventually, especially when they do the remake. And I know you guys talked about that with it last week a little bit. The the, the remake. Oh uh, yeah, delayed. they delayed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm still goofy about the game so i'm trying to hold off hope <laughs> so um my week in star wars actually this stems back not to last week but the week before so one of my friends who's actually watching right now um we had a little birthday celebration prior to my actual birthday and she gave me a choice on what i wanted to do after my first part of our my birthday and she was like do you want to go see do you want to watch top gun oh. or do you want to go back to the house or watch star wars <laughs> course you know what i chose and i decided to have her watch a new hope and this is oh. the first her first time ever watching it what yeah this That's is the first awesome. time she's ever yeah she's never seen it because I, I was like i'll need you to watch these 
And <laughs> she watched yeah. A New Hope. And she actually liked it. She asked her quote, and I'm probably going to butcher this, and I'm sure she'll text me. Um, <laughs> she said that she was she was surprised that there was a lot more story. She didn't realize there was a lot more story and like substance to it, pretty much. And oh, she yeah. actually enjoyed it. Um, she liked it, and she talked about how she really enjoyed like the story and the characters. I think she said, I think I know she liked Chewie. I think either Han Solo or Leia might have been her favorite character. I have to. She'll she'll correct me on it. I guarantee you. But um, I think I think she was all about Chewie and Leia, or or Han Solo and Leia. I think I have to go back and even think about it again. But we're gonna watch Empire next. I don't know when. But I already told her, I said, that is going to be a movie that you're not going to talk much. You'll have questions, but you'll get so sucked in from, like, the first scene. So I'm curious to see how she responds to Empire. That's very interesting because, you know, almost 50 years, and there's a bad thunderstorm. I don't know if that's going through the mic or not. But, they're, they're, you know, having somebody that watches these things for the first time in the modern age of cinema, it's interesting to see if these things hold up, right? Like, just the effects and how it looks and the dialogue is way different than it was back in the day. So that is relieving to hear that people that are new to the franchise are still getting in on the ground room floor with a new hope. Oh yeah. Like, well, the funny thing is like Milton, you talk about that story with your friend, my, uh, my younger cousin, he's 22 and his girlfriend is 21 and he just started her on a, you know, star Wars a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. They started on A New Hope, and, you know, she actually loved it as well, and she really enjoyed Empire, and, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's cool seeing people that are, like, just getting introduced to it, you right. know, enjoying it and appreciating it, and that just shows how good of movies they are. Like, they hold up, the stories hold them up, and, uh, you know, that shows how important storytelling is in movies. Like, you can throw out uh, the graphics for anything. Like, the graphics for any movie today is better than a movie even three years ago graphics wise for exactly. the most part so like you know you can throw out that type of stuff and as long as the story's there that's all that matters honestly right. yeah and that's the thing like she she really enjoyed the story and like i said i know she's gonna like empire i think she's not gonna be ready for how it plays out her, her one main question <laughs> was she's like there is, is there is there a love like is there a, like a romance part of that for empire i'm like yes <laughs> i'm like just watch it i'm like i'm not saying nothing else so yeah, so oh. we'll watch it, and I'll keep you guys updated next time, we, whenever we do get to that movie. <laughs> yeah, that should be a returning segment on this, is Milton Milton's friend's reaction to Star Wars for the first <laughs> time or something. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so we're going to get into this week's releases. We have quite a few. Um, we're going to start off with our paper canon, or legends, whatever you want to call it, because... Uh, Literally, the first thing we're talking about is the Essential Legends. They always come out in batches of three, and these are great curated collections of some of the most popular, some of the most um, quality of the Legends content out there. We have, of course, the continuation, Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron, Kratos Trap. This is the third novel following Wedge's Gambit. We also have Death Troopers, which the next time I'm in Barnes & Noble, I'm actually going to pick that one up because... That is one of the first Legends Essentials books that I don't have. So I want to give out the, you know, I want to try out the new format of the trade paperback version because it is bigger than the old Legends books. It's not the small ones. These are like the trade paperback ones. Better for me because I don't have to squint as hard as the tiny pages and wording. But 
the one I want to talk about is Darth Maul Shadowhunter. And the reason why I picked this one up, because it's another unabridged audio book. And it's voiced by Sam Witwer, Darth Maul, and Palpatine himself. So I, as soon as I see that, I told you guys, I was like, instant buy. It's been a while since I listened to a Star Wars audiobook. I had listened to the, a couple other ones. I listened recently to Shatterpoint, which I really enjoyed. And then the original Rogue Squadron, which I wasn't too hot on. Um, nothing against the voice actors or anything. Um, or the voice actor or whatever. The narrator, I should say, in, in Rogue Squadron. The story just didn't pull me in. But holy crap, if you're looking for a tour de force of narration in a Star Wars audiobook, you got nowhere else to look than Darth Maul Shadowhunter. Because this story has got me and the voice acting prowess of i'm not even sure and i'm sure he is but it still doesn't it blows my mind that sam Witwer is voicing all these characters from nuke gun rays you know nemoidian accent to a spot-on palpatine to a spot-on maul obviously to even like female voices and smuggler voices and yoda and qui-con and mace windu i'm like how is this guy this good at voicing every character in star wars because I've only seen him do a couple impressions, and they're usually Darth Maul and Palpatine. But diving deeper into the story, without going too deep in, is right off the bat, I will say, this is exactly the story I want to see or experience with the Acolyte coming out next year. We always talk about, whenever we bring up the Acolyte, is how are they going to deal with the Sith when they're supposed to be extinct? How are they going to do anything interesting with the Sith? And this book basically does that same story, right? This is predating the Phantom Menace. It's having to do with the, you know, the, the, the Nemoidians having information about this supposed blockade that's going to happen on Naboo. Somebody gets this information and runs away. Palpatine simply sends Darth Maul to go and track this person down and kill them. And they're, of course, in the underlevels of Coruscant. But the crazy thing is... This guy gives information to this guy, gives information to another guy. So it's like this chain of command where Palpatine's like literally like you have to kill every single person that gets a wind of this information because it'll completely spoil all the plans that I have. So you see Maul just going in the dark, cloakness of dark, like masking his identity with the dark side, going into these very... Uh, dark and gritty and, and just this is everything I want from the Acolyte basically because it's like he's even killing Jedi assassinating Jedi he is going in he's taking out Black Sun agents and like all the scum and villainy of the Star Wars universe and it's just like this doom the sense of doom is so great in the story because you you get these people that get wind of the Sith and they're like oh my god like this the scoundrel has heard about him and he's the one with the information and he's literally telling his protocol droid buddy, like, if this is actually a Sith, th then we're screwed. Like, we got to get the hell off this planet. And it's like a it's like complete, like, disaster movie for them. Because no matter what they do, Maul just, like, keeps coming up. It's basically a horror story. You know, you see a Sith just going after these guys relentlessly. And man, oh man, I am absolutely loving it. I'm I'm more than halfway done already. Already, and I started this thing on Tuesday. It's about ten hours long, so yeah, I know most people could probably just sit here and finish it in one day. And believe me, if I had the time, I probably would just sit here in my room and listen to this thing all day long because it is that good. I don't know if you guys have experienced Darth Maul Shadowhunter, but if you haven't, I know both of you are audiobook fans. So you got to pick this one up, man. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I have it in my library. I don't, I don't have it on my iTunes, uh, you know, library yet. But I have it on my computer. 
But I don't think I have the version where Sam Witwer no, is. Oh, you got to get that one. So I need, I need to get that one instead. Because um, I'm sure, like, Mark Thompson or someone has done the one that I have, which will still be fire. But it's Sam Witwer, so I can always listen to him talk all day, every day. Um, so, yeah, no, when, I, that's one book I'll probably, like, download eventually and get. Yeah, what, what's cool about this story is it does predate The Phantom Menace. So, in reality, I'm thinking the story's headcanon. There's nothing that's conflicting with the story enough to be like, ah, this isn't canon. Because this is a, a, in, an, in an era or in a time where we don't really have any other Darth Maul, Palpatine stories overriding that. Um, all we yeah. have so far predating Phantom Menace is a really good uh, five-issue comic miniseries involving him, involving Cad Bane, and a couple of the bounty hunters that are going after like this Jedi prey that Maul's stalking. But other than that, that's really all we have. But I, after reading this or listening to this book, experiencing the book, I'm like, we need more Star Wars stories like this. Like, just pick a, a random character, doesn't matter where in the era of Star Wars, and just let's do a deep dive. Not not a story that's, you know, promoting it up, up you know, a story or... Put it this way, I, I, all this stuff is tie-ins, right? Like, we're always getting the books like the Obi-Wan books because they're putting out an Obi-Wan show. We're always getting this, we're getting that. We're getting, you know, Lego Star Wars, we're getting... Um, this Han book to promote the Galactic Star Cruiser. I'm just hoping we get to a point when Lucasfilm, besides the High Republic, starts just putting out random books, not tying it into anything, just randomly in the timeline, enriching yeah. the characters that I want to see more of, not just because it's promoting an up, you know, an upcoming release. Because I oh, think that's yeah. a trap. They're, they're, they're falling into that trap way too much right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like... The, like, for example, with this book, this book came out in 2001, so that would have been right before Attack of the Clones. So it was obviously, you know, a couple years after Phantom Menace. So, it, you know, it wasn't tied into any on-screen project or video game or whatever. And it was just a really good book. And, like, you know, that was, you know, that's always, like, the allure of people with, like, the Legends books. Because, like, there's so many just good stories, you know. You know, as we mentioned with the with the documentary, the good stories, like, or, you know, the rewatching the star wars movies good stories good stories good stories like you know you can't hammer that home the hammer that point home enough like this is an example of a really good story like i read this book way back in middle school you know when it when it uh you know it was a few years after it released obviously but you know it was still it hit me back then and you know looking back over it again this week it's just like yeah it's one of the better star wars stories out there from legends and just in general and like you said chris like this is just you know pretty much i retconned it right in right in behind phantom menace basically like it's it's there now um so like you know those type of things i feel like are really important for star wars you know you don't have to make everything um tie into live action projects you can just make really good one-off stories like like uh for example catalyst catalyst is a great book awesome book whatever mm -hmm. but it ties into the movie like you know why not just give us a straight up book about something else in that time period that's not tied into that movie like at all just a, like you said a standalone character book um like so you know those type of things are what I feel like the main example of that in current canon is the um, the Tarkin book from like 2014 or 15. I think like that's probably about the only like main like really character type 
something that's not tied into a, a movie at the time. Um, so, you know, like you have those type of um, examples, but, but yeah, I mean, this, this Darth Maul book, excellent book. I definitely highly recommend it to people. And, you know, as you said, Milton, like I'm definitely interested in picking up the Sam Witwer version at some point, just because it's like, Hey, that's Darth Maul reading the book to you. Like what's better, better than that. I'll tell you what, I'm working out with this going on, and it's just, like, so motivating. I was telling my, yep. my co-worker, I was like, I have, I told him, I have Palpatine in my ear right now, man. I'm lifting weights, listening to Palpatine go, hunt yep. them down. You know, just, like, all this yep. crazy, just, like, darkness, like, yes. And it's sick because it's so mature. Like, like Maul breaks into this one cell block, and his target's there. And it just shows you, like, how lethal he is he he throws his double bladed lightsaber it's decapitating somebody then he lifts the nemoiding up with the force and just like beheads him like yeah. nothing it, it is it is peak mall i'm just like holy right. crap man but oh no i love i yeah. love listening to books when i work out like it's right now i think i'm listening to i went back and listened to the last book in the legacy of the force series oh. uh, invincible whenever I love jana, that series so yeah, much whenever jana and jason have to face off and even how like there's scenes and thinking, oh my, I'm like I'm in the middle of doing curls or something, and I'm yeah. getting hyped because I'm like, oh, you know, Darth Kytus is out here wrecking people, wow. you know, and it's like that's what's up, and how they portray it with the music and the sound effects, it's like you're listening to a movie while you're working out. Yeah, it really is. They do top-notch work at Penguin Random House, I guess it produces it. Mm -hmm. um, I will interject real quick here, Ben, and say that there are a couple trilogies. I think I actually do have them on my shelf, but they're obscured by all the books. Um, yeah, I have the Alphabet Trilogy was something that was totally disconnected, and literally all those characters were brand new. So I got to give praise oh, where good. credit is due there. And then you have the Tr Thrawn Ascension Trilogy, which is basically completely in another galaxy. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's ever going to like come into play with like Thrawn in, in the live-action stuff, but at least that was so far enough before Thrawn in the... Um, the, the the show and all that that it's at least it's very much standalone because it's, it's a trilogy and it's yeah so i'm just like come on after reading after experiences i'm like let's get like our own canon mall story or something I yeah or, or just come out and be like hey guys that uh that shadow hunter book canon now <laughs> yeah basically basically and uh okay so we're gonna we're gonna move along the other things we had this week um we had what is it the halcyon legacy five and that is, you know, celebrating the Galactic Star Cruiser. Interesting thing to note here is that they specifically have a story that takes place right around the time of the Mandalorian, five years after Return of the Jedi. Because this this story is all about um, the the Halcyon Legacy story. It's 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 a framing device of oh they're in between the events of the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, but then they do these flashback stories of the these little lessons and stuff of like where the galactic star cruiser had been. So at one point it's five years after return of the Jedi and there's this guy that has a debt on him from the black sun and guess who shows up, but Bosk, 4LM, Zuckus, like all those well-known bounty hunters. So it just, you know, it just confirms the fact that, Hey, these guys are, you know, still doing bounties around the time of the Mandalorians and his prowess. So I, I, again, I say like, I'm so surprised we hadn't seen any of those infamous bounty hunters in Book of Boba Fett. I think me and Ben, we were saying, like, oh, there's that season two rumor, or at least in some yep. Mexican release, there's a, a season two. So I got to imagine yep. 
you're not going to put these characters in this random comic book set at the same time of the whole Mandalorian thing and not bring them in eventually in some way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like those characters for sure will be involved in something at some point. Yeah, like there was that, it was a, a probably a few weeks ago now, or it was during probably during Kenobi, but or a little after. But anyways, like you know, it was on like the uh, like the Spanish Disney Plus or whatever, and a, and it showed like a screenshot, and underneath like the Book of Boba part, it said uh, it said like season two or something. So you know, there's a chance for that, and I think if they do do a season two of that show, also the fact that like the crew merch from from the show, like literally, you had members of the crew posting like things like that say season one and if you you know if it says season one that probably means there's a second season so to me like i feel like we'll get those characters especially with the feedback i feel like that's the that's the big thing as well with the with the feedback with the fans and whatnot because we're still probably a ways out from a second season of boba you know after the feedback from the first season especially the way the first season ended you can pretty much go in any direction you want with Boba, I feel like. So, you know, they can for sure incorporate those iconic bounty hunters, I would say. Yeah, what about you, Milton? You have anything to say about, hey, would you like to see some of these ancient, or not ancient, but some of these infamous <laughs> bounty hunters show up eventually? Who knows? I don't know what the lifespan of a Trandoshan is. I feel like they could live sure. a while. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on how it serves the story. I mean, look, we all know... If Star Wars is Star Wars is at its best when it tells an organic story that makes sense, and obviously with Boba Fett, you know we we saw what they were trying to do, but it I know the ending wasn't the best, and I know we've talked about it and speculated during our review of that show how we thought it should have ended in a sense of leading into a season two because you know, however, if they bring back those legacy characters or I guess canon characters that are well known, I'm fine with it as long as they serve a purpose of the story. You know, are they out trying to now compete with Boba? Is there some type of grudge that they had or something? Maybe they had a falling out. I don't know. As long as they do it right, then I'm fine with it. If they just force them in there just to force them in, it's like, all right, it's it's kind of a waste of space. Put them in a comic or put them in a book. I could maybe see, like, um, just to throw a little prediction out there, I can maybe see if we get a second season of the show, what if it's, you know, Cad Bane seeking his revenge because yeah. he, he's definitely not dead. Oh, I, mean, I don't based think he's on the dead. Ending. He's definitely not dead. So what if it's him and he goes and is like, okay, Boba defeated me in that one-on-one. How's he going to defeat me if I have Bosk and IGD by my side? Oh. And, you know, and it's that whole thing. And uh, maybe you get kind of like a bounty hunter war type deal. Yeah, um, that's, I'd be like, fine with it. Like I said, it just needs to make sense. Like, like it, need, yeah. it needs to be where it's where it fits the story, fits it forces the plot, and actually kind of, like, bring Boba back to who his character is, you know? Like, I need who to Who he was from Mando Season 2. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and, and speaking about, we were talking about, hey, if, if it doesn't feel forced, um, that's where I want to get into the LEGO Star Wars, the summer vacation, because I don't know about you, Ben, but I don't feel like this the, the Star Cruiser was all that force as I thought it would be. <laughs> all right, I here. I'll just I'll I'll just mute myself right now while you guys talk about this part. <laughs> I Mil- Milton's gonna love this. Milton's gonna love my part. Um, so for me, I feel like, especially knowing. Okay, I feel like 
let, let me, I guess, caveat my statements with with me knowing about the price of the, the Star Cruiser Hotel, with me knowing about all the stuff surrounding it, etc. Basically, every time we got to the parts with the, the Star Cruiser, I was kind of just rolling my eyes like, oh, man, we're here. So, like, I was glad, like, out of the entire, like, 45 minutes, only yeah. maybe, like, only maybe, like, eight minutes total was the Star Cruiser, eight or ten minutes. So, like, that was super nice because yeah. I feel like it was kind of, like, the parts they were on the Star Cruiser, I mean, you have Lando literally saying, the Halcyon Star Cruiser, you know, come experience, like, like he talked about experiencing a certain, um, like, part of it or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, Like, you yeah. know, it, it felt really on the nose um, on some of those parts, but cutting out the parts with him, you know, the star cruiser specifically, the other 35 minutes was really good. I feel like it was really good. Like I liked the, um, the, I guess little, uh, three or two or three part stories that kind of went on there. Like you have, um, the Obi-Wan story, you have the Kylo Ren story, and then you have the, um, wasn't there another one? Kylo Ren, Obi-Wan, Kylo yeah. Ren, Obi-Wan. Wasn't oh. there a third one or, Oh, then uh, Palpatine and Vader. Then Palpatine that's and Vader. It. Scarif. Yep. Okay, Scarif. Yeah. So you. So I like that you had basically a three-part little story in in the middle of the entire episode. Um, to me, I found some of the best. Um, I think the, I think the Kylo and Han and Leia story was the probably the best one, just because it was kind of like before yeah. he got shipped away to go, you know, to go with Luke. I thought that was really good. I liked the Palpatine Invader story just because it was a fun little, uh, fun little thing. And, you know, like I said before, like, sure, it doesn't sound anything like Ian McDermott at all. But the guy who plays the Emperor does a pretty good, like, yeah. I could see that being a Lego Emperor, like that voice. So I like that one. And then the Obi-Wan story was, was all right. But to me, I think my biggest takeaway, like the Lego special was solid overall. But I think my, um, you know, it was solid. It was enjoyable. Um, it, it fit the bill of being like a summer special. But one interesting part, I mean, I'm sure you've probably noticed it as well, Chris. And to me, which means, so like this is technically after episode nine, correct? Yep. Okay, so, so, so follow me here on this one. I think they have ideas of where they want to go with Poe, Finn, oh, and yeah. Ray. And the one thing, so you have you have Finn talking to Ghost Leia, and Finn talks about how, you know, Poe's going to go off in his direction with, like, the Rebels. He, yeah. Finn himself is going to go and search for other Jedi. Mm -hmm. And then Rey is going to go to the Unknown Regions, because he literally said the Unknown Regions, yeah. um, to search for Jedi Temples. And I was like, man, if they're allowing the Lego oh. people, the Lego people to do those type of stories, that means... That could be our potential direction yep. for those characters oh. once we eventually get back to them. Like, what if we get it where, I don't know, what if we get a Ray Disney Plus series, her exploring the unknown regions or something? Like, you know, you have plenty of options to go there. So I think that's the biggest, like, of course, the special was, was enjoyable. But to me, the biggest takeaway was that's a nugget of information mm -hmm. of where our um, new big three is heading. Yeah, that was shocking to me. And even setting up the beginning of the episode with yep. Finn, and they, and they did this in the holiday special as well, with like acknowledging that Finn is a Jedi, or at least is Force-sensitive enough to be able to speak and listen to the Force ghosts is already a big step in the right direction. Like, 
okay, they, they clearly know where they're going, and I know it's not canon. This is technically, like, canon adjacent. So, like, for instance, what I mean by that is, like, the one character, Valera, in the Obi-Wan show, I looked her up on Wikipedia. She is, actually was mentioned in canon in the Star Wars Squadrons flight mm -hmm. game that came out in 2020. So you got that. But, I mean, you got to imagine, they're not just telling us that for no reason. Like, that is what they're probably going to do with those characters in the future. And it makes sense. So for now, that's like headcanon for me. But that's really cool. Like, hey, maybe, I don't know, if, like, John Boyega was like, ah, oh, you'll never Disney Plus me or whatever is like the famous quote he has. But like, what <laughs> if they come out with like the sequel adventures of Ray, Finn, and Poe? And then like, it's like the Mandalorian, but in the sequel era. And you have... Yeah. Different I mean, character look, arcs they, and, and doing. If they bring back, if John Boyega decides to come back, I guarantee he's going to have a lot of demands, and I don't blame him. Big because check. Because that, yeah. that oh, money for sure. But he's a really good actor. I mean, he's been putting out a lot of good stuff since Star Wars, you know, since his last film. But like, he said it himself. I remember it was so funny whenever they did, uh, what's it, Dune? Whenever yep. Oscar Isaac did Dune, I think he released a picture of him wearing like this armor. I remember John saying like, why don't we get this in Star Wars? He like, this looks more like Star Wars, you know? And <laughs> he, I know he had a significant huge issue with how they portrayed his character and how they kind of like let his character kind of like mm -hmm. go to waste. And so I feel like if they do bring him back, if he wants to come back, he's going to say, yo, you guys need to really like push my character and develop him to where like he gets representation. He's being pushed as a character. He's being challenged and he actually has a significant role. Because all oh. he did in the sequel trilogy, spoilers, is yell Ray and chase Ray, <laughs> and like uh, see, that, that's all he did. Well, I, I mean, mean I, well, okay, yeah. except for the first movie, the, the not Rod Skywalker, the the Force Awakens, he yeah. actually had a good character. So I'll good. give him yeah. credit on that. That was pretty good. I I can't even hit on that. But after that, dude, the last yeah. the next two movies, what does he do? I know. Well, the funny like, thing you you say that Milton is like when me and my cousin, you know, we're watching Rise of Skywalker in theaters. We go to all the premieres, uh -huh. and he literally he literally elbowed me and said, "Well, there was the there was the agenda to like Finn yell Ray, basically." Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and which is so unfortunate because John I, Boyega you know, was awesome. Yeah, that's the thing. He's such a good actor. He did a really good job in The Force Awakens. That's the only one that I actually do like because yep. it's it's the original setup of that trilogy. And they actually have character development and a good story. Then after that, they, it just goes off the... And I'm just talking about him and specifically. What's he doing The Last Jedi? He pines after another girl, potentially. And he still is, like, just pining after Rey. He yeah. does it in Rise of Skywalker. Like, he doesn't really do anything. It's like, wow, dude. We were all punked thinking that he was going to be, like, the next Jedi. Yeah. Well, like I always say, like, I mean, I mean I've been on board with it. Um, I feel like Campy and Harloff, they brought it up years ago on their show um, on Collider. Like, if you watch the first Force Awakens trailer, it seems like Finn is going to be Facts. another Jedi. Like, that's what it feels like J.J. was going to do. And that's clearly what he was doing that. with Rise of Skywalker. I mean, it happened. Like, he was yeah. Force-sensitive. So, yeah, like you said, the poster tells you that. Um, but, yeah, like, with me, with all this stuff, like, John Boyega with Finn, with... Um, uh, who's Poe? Oh, Oscar Isaac with Oscar Isaac, especially Oscar Isaac being involved in Disney Plus series. Mm. And then you have Daisy Ridley. I feel like, I mean, she's done some things, but she's not like, like rocking Hollywood right no, now. She's not really doing so, right now. so like you could, I feel like you could get these three back. It, you, Oscar Isaac's already on board with Disney stuff. Daisy isn't doing a ton. John Boyega, I feel like would be the hardest, but you know, 
like like the Joker says, like everybody has a price. Like you know, so they could get him back, and um, yeah, you know, you could get something out of this because you know, like you mentioned, Chris, they wouldn't have given that nugget of information for this Lego show to say, you know, Poe's building the rebellion. Uh, you know, fin- I'm going to search for more force sensitive people, and then Ray's going to the unknown regions. Like they would have not given that piece of information if that's not a concept that's in development at um at star wars right now well here's the thing right with the rogue squadron movie by patty jenkins which got pushed back further that is where we're going to see poe dameron that whole thing about oh the rogue squadron now that they mentioned he's going to get these pilots and all i think that's i think that story is taking place after rise of skywalker i think that he's going to us rise is going to be in that he's going to be helping train the next generation i do think that they're going to try to get the mandoverse stuff done first like, when that's all finished up, you know, seven, eight years from now, I don't know the exact date, but, like, let's just give it another five years or something. Yeah. That was the, that might be the next big, like, event for Star Wars is, hey, we've had enough time separated from those characters. Now it's time to bring them back bigger and better than ever, whether it's in movies or it's a conjunction of movies and Disney Plus series that becomes, like, the MCU by a certain degree or something like that. With Star Wars, who knows? But like, that's well, my take. Here's on that. something for you guys. Think about this with the whole, um, especially with the Marvel um, build-up and structure of things. What if they do something like this? Say Rogue Squadron, you have Poe involved. Then you do a Finn Jedi search movie, and then you do a Ray Unknown Regions exploration type movie, and then you get a movie like a fourth movie to like top off whatever's going on with all three of them, like kind of like your Avengers team up type deal. Like maybe, maybe they do like kind of standalone character type adventures that eventually get us back to the big three. I I would like that because we got reports that they, Kathleen Kennedy's not interested in trilogies anymore. She's literally been quoted. So that makes a lot of sense. Like make those the same kind of thing that Marvel's doing. Yeah. Going out directly. Yeah. They got Kevin Feige. What is he doing for Star Wars? Maybe he's gonna help arch- help architect that, and then in fa- in fact, like help quote unquote fix the sequel trilogy by building the arcs and these characters stronger in these other films that'll come out. So what do we say we talk about something in the past? Let's let's break down this trailer because we've gone an hour and we haven't even got to the trailer. There's so many slides I want to see and talk yep. about. All right. So getting into our first one here. If my buttons work correctly. Oh, that's not working now because my power went out. I could do it manually now. Okay, so our first image here of Cassie and Andor. I sent you guys the screenshots. I, I don't know if you have access to them right now or not. Honestly, haven't watched the trailer yet, so it's going to be very new to me. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, well, the first shot here, we have a young Cassie and Andor and this guardian of his with this stick. I think it's pretty cool. It looks like this is where we're, we're, we're seeing the difference between filming on location and filming on the volume, right? Mm. Like, that's the big difference here. As you can see, like, this is, I don't even know where they filmed this. I think it was in England or something like that. So to see that happen, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. What do you have to say about this one, Ben? Well, I mean, uh, I feel, I'm pretty sure I've, I've read most of the, a lot of the Cassian show was shot in Pinewood uh, over there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this shot, it's like you said, it just sets it's kind of um, cool, sets the environmental tone. And, uh, you know, it clearly, even from this shot, I feel like you can tell a difference between 
um, the other Disney Plus shows. I think. I think. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways in general. Like we'll, we'll obviously like break down the trailer fully, but I feel like the, one of the biggest takeaways overall is just visually. You can tell this was not shot the same as even Mando or Boba or Kenobi. Oh yeah, it's definitely got a striking kind of feel about it. Getting deeper into this, looking at the next image here, we see a little bit more of like the culture of his tribe of people. I don't even know what to explain it as, but I don't know if if this could be his father that we're looking at or, or what's going on here. Um, because this, this character is pretty prominent. I don't know if he's the chief of, 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 of his people or what's going on, but you see that they have these huts. And we see them using like different um, weapons faceted from just like the trees and different things like that. But then he also has this literally looks like an AK-47 if I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous shot. I mean, like even even looking at the pictures from this, this morning or this afternoon when you sent this, um, like it's a gorgeous shot. I mean, like I said, it looks like it's not shot on the stage. It looks like it's actually on location i mean if it's if it's on a stage they did a good, a good job convincing me because it looks like it's on a real location but um yeah it looks like that this is like very much a gorilla type unit of people like whether they're defending a small village or you know they have like a little militia so it's cool to see this mm. oh yeah for for sure i think um i feel like i feel like uh you know, don't forget some of these shots also could be involved with, say, Saul Guerrero's people mm. as well. Like, I think I think that's the thing to keep in mind with just in general as we're breaking down this trailer is like some of these shots could be with. Um, I can't think of Saul Guerrero's group of people's name, but, you know, with that entire the partisans. Yep. The partisans. There you go. I feel like I feel like we're for sure going to be getting hints of that or like, you know, there are potential hints of that in the trailer that will, you know, eventually play out on screen. Yeah, so going in a little deeper here, we have... Now, I think this is Cassian's mom, perhaps. I would see that that's pretty likely. She looks like she's a prominent character in a lot of the shots here that we're going to see tonight. Um, it looks like she's she's looking at something that's coming that's coming towards her from the sky, but she also looks like she's on some kind of speeder bike or something. So I thought that's, that's interesting there, but oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Like you said, I think, I think that's probably going to end up being his mom, I would guess. And based on, uh, you know, uh, what we've heard so far, like people seeing the first three or four episodes of the show may, and especially with the show, say being, you know, with it being a three-episode premiere, mm -hmm. it makes me wonder if the first three episodes are kind of like, like flashback-ish. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like kind of, it's kind of like how the beginning of Rogue One was. Maybe, like, maybe right. it'll be something like that, where it's like, you know, we get two, two and a half episodes of build-up, and then like it, boom, flashes forward, and it's like Cassie and in uh, present day, like five years before Rogue One type deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if they utilize flashback, which I assume they probably will, some way, shape, or form, I'm fine with it. Again, we've seen it done effectively and it done appropriately. So we just saw it with Obi Wan. You know, uh, we always reference the Arrow TV show. They do a really good yeah. job in that show. So I'm I'm excited if it's going to be flashbacks because again, even and I know we'll get to some of the, 
the pictures in the future in a minute, but like just seeing the old rotunda again, just the shots in general. You see in this Star Destroy right here, the one you just popped up, Chris, like this is a gorgeous shot. You know, this is like this is Star Wars to me. Like that's a beautiful shot of a Star Destroyer, and I love the scale of it. Oh yeah, this is the money shot for me out of this trailer. Like this, remember the promotion for Rogue One showed us some of the best Star Destroyer shots in those trailers of like the Star Destroyer like coming out of the shadows of the Death Star and stuff like that. Yeah. Like we're doing it again here with this TV show. Right. Well, do do you guys remember speaking of promotion of Rogue One, and this is what reminds me of it? Do you remember? I think it was might have been comic-con or star wars celebration maybe 2012 or 2013 whenever they show like that trailer of like of the idea of rogue one. Oh yeah and it was like and it was obi-wan kenobi alec Guinness like speaking of the empire in the old days and how they had it, the camera pan up and it was like that big silhouette or like back yep. shot of the death star on the forest planet dude that's what this reminds me of kind of too and i'm like that's fire like, I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it. That's how dope that particular trailer was. And that was, like, a that was thrown together quick. That was, oh, like, yeah. a concept, is, like, of what yeah. it could be. This is, oh, what, yeah. this is what Star Wars would look like in real life to me. If we, were, if, we saw, if we were standing there, that's what we would see. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, like, like you both said, this is, like, the money shot of the trailer, I believe, just because it, it sets the tone. It's, like... You know, also what character, you know, what characters are sitting here looking up at the, at the Star Destroyer flying, you know, there's that. And, uh, you know, what's the context of this? Is this maybe, maybe they give us Empire Day or something, you know, like something along yeah. those lines. My, like just yeah. anything. My thoughts are like, this might be this civilization's first look at the Empire and first look at like space travel for the most part, because mm. I mean, they're living in freaking huts unless they're like on the run from something. Like, they don't look like they have access to a lot of technology. So, to, for them to see this, it's like us as if we're seeing aliens for the first time, maybe. Like, what the hell is this, yeah. you know? But that's what I'm yeah, that's why I'm like, this is what it would be like for us if a UFO popped out of nowhere. If they actually gave us this look, you know, like, it'd be amazing. It'd be frightening, you know. And, and this is actually on my personal laptop that I use for our podcast and stuff. I have a file that I have for, like, you know how you do, like, you can do, like, screenshots or, like, screen rotations of your background on your computer i have like 30 photos of what of star wars in real <laughs> life of different images and there's one of a star destroyer floating over like new york island so imagine a star destroyer floating over manhattan island or you know jersey chris where mm. you live like imagine seeing that from like you know across the uh, hudson river and the star destroyer you know how dope is yep. that and that's the look we see so damn yeah so this image here i I don't. It looks like some kind of quarry, but I guess the way that the the bricks are laid, this it almost looks like the Yavin base. Like I'm getting like Yavin base feel. I know it isn't that. But I was thinking, just... um, what's the planet that they had in Rogue One where the um, oh my god, where they save uh, Jen? Oh, uh... it's early on. It's it's not. It's like Wob oh, Wobani. Wobani, yes. It kind of reminded me of this planet a little bit. I could see that. Yeah, yeah that's a really see. good call. Actually, it looks visually very similar, especially like in the distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a gorgeous shot there. Yeah, I mean, this is great cinematography so far from what we've seen. Now, this is a young Cassie, and this this reminds me a lot of the Force Awakens. Like he's got like that kind of staff that Ray sort of had, and it looks like he's basically sneaking around, clambering up something. So. It's neat getting the full the full story of Cassian Andor. 
you know, we get to see where he ends up, obviously at the end of his life, but we're going to see his beginnings and what would, you know, give him the rebellious attitude that eventually gets him to join the Rebel Alliance. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, I'll go back and watch this trailer and see it play out in live action, obviously, but to seeing the images, yeah, this is good stuff to see. Oh, for sure. Milton, just a fun little fun fact for you to throw in before we get to the next image. Um, I'm sure Chris knows what I'm going to mention. But just to keep in mind with this show, so it came out like recently in canon. So Cassian during Rogue One is 26. So in this show, he would be 21 and he's getting played by a 42-year-old. He don't look like it, though. Yeah, no, I know. Like, like, it's just it's just fun, you know, fun little fun thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, D- D- Diego Luna, you know, I he think looks he has, young though. Yeah, he has unicorn blood, or he made a pack with the ah. devil to look young. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, this is the one that I know you're gonna like, Milton. Boom. The rotunda of the Senate. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah. See, this is what this is what I'm talking about. Like, this is what we were missing. Like, this is what we were missing. Um, I, I I felt like, and this is what this is pre New Hope, obviously. So this is very much th- during the rise of the Empire. So this mm-hmm. makes so much sense, so much sense. And on top of that, we should have gotten what Coruscant post Empire looked like in the sequel trilogy. So I think. Thank God they're giving us this because this is we all love seeing Coruscant. We love the rotunda scenes and seeing what that looks like now, especially after you know Palpatine and Yoda wreck shop. Spoilers and um, <laughs> and Revenge of the Sith. So like, this is a dope shot. I just love seeing this because this is now who all who everyone knows this film, this movie. This is the scene that we get whenever the Empire is fully formed or when it's becoming the early stage of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembers that shot of him being panned up and his hands going up and that clapping. Like yep. it's, it's, it's giving me goosebumps now by talking about it. That's how dope this shot is. Oh, yep. I feel like I feel like for sure with this shot, we'll, you know, we'll we'll get Emperor. Well, I feel like we got to get Palpatine to a degree. You, you, I, do you honestly think we'll get or, like, or maybe a hologram? Yeah, I'm thinking we'll get a hologram. I think, a hologram. I think for this show, we'll, they'll want to keep the focus off of like yeah. those major characters. Or like I could see maybe even a thing where you know you have Cassian spying, mm-hmm. and you hear Palp like you know he's outside of the chambers or something, and then you hear Palpatine but don't see him mm-hmm. potentially. Like maybe something like right. that. But but man, well, I I love the whole rotunda shot. And like one thing, like in the future, if we ever have like all this advanced technology. Our government better switch the entire like Senate chambers to this. Like, oh my God, you yeah. know, like this is just great. Like, I, I, I've always loved it ever since we first saw it in um, Phantom Menace. You know, it's just iconic. Mm. No, I agree. And and back to my whole non Palpatine thing, I think maybe I'm misunderstanding this or I'm forgetful, but I believe whenever he became the emperor, wasn't he less out of the oh, public? Oh, yeah. Eye? He was oh, more yes. secluded. That's true. And so I, I don't think we'll see him much in the public eye. So that's why I think it wouldn't make sense unless something happens where like he needs to make an appearance once in a while. Yeah, he like was very true. protected from the public. He even like changed his appearance with the holograms, like to actually appear younger and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so yeah, he was very much secluded and tried to get his other people to do everything for him for the most part. Yeah, because right. Yeah. So. 
yeah, this is this is exciting to see more Coruscant in general. We'll see we'll see more more of this throughout this trailer breakdown here. This is a younger Cassian. He's in an Imperial installation of some sort. So we see how adept he was to sneaking around Scarif Base. Well, he's had experience apparently, and we get to see him as a youngin going around here with some fancy yellow tunic of some sort. So I'm excited to see like his first foray into like if he's gonna get captured, how this is gonna go, why is he doing this? Is he just like adventurous? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm from what I'm seeing this far, I'm I'm impressed. I think this should be a really good show. I, I cannot wait to watch this trailer like after this podcast. Oh yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, really cool to seeing how he sneaks around and stuff because I feel like. With the tone of this show, with the tone of the character, even from the beginning of Rogue One, like I could easily see him being on an early, like say spying type mission, and like losing his partner, and then you know deal, you know dealing with like the consequences of like oh this is like real life, this isn't just like you know some easy little rebellion I'm joining. Mm-hmm. Chris, I think you're muted. Chris, you're yeah, you're muted. Yeah, all right, here we go. Look at this, the casting Andor without a beard. Interesting. <sighs> because I believe we see him with the beard later on. So uh I wonder where in this life he he's at at this point. Yeah, he looks like he's twenty six to me. So uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He looks right, he really does look show. he does look a lot younger here. Yeah. Huh. No, I mean, now he was in, was he in there in the Empire at one point, correct? I guess so. We didn't know that, but maybe he was like Han Solo and he actually was part of the Empire, maybe. It looks like he was part of the the Imperial, uh, you know. The the narration says basically that in the trailer. Right. No, I'm, I, yeah, I'm curious to see how they're going to develop this character because what, like two seasons potentially? Yeah, it's, at least, it's two yeah. Se- yeah, it's two seasons. First season is is a year one. Second yeah. season is twelve episodes, and then like you have it broken up into four parts, like episodes, you know, one through three or year two, then three, four, etc. Right, right, okay. All right. So then, moving on here, we have phase two clones in live action. How cool is this? I mean, we got a taste of that from. Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I, I can't get enough of seeing the Phase 2 clones. And they are looking more like the ones from Bad Batch, where there is no individuality of these clones. They are all just stark white, marching down like Nazi troopers or something like that. It's it's pretty frightening, actually, when you look at it from the trailer. of Now, just are these, through. now you said these are Phase 2 clones? Yep. Okay, so, okay, just to make sure I'm correct, or I'm understanding this correct, so they can still, like, wreck people unlike the Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers can't wreck nobody. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. And it looks like we have that same character from the second screenshot I showed you of um, the guy in the village with the AK-47. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I see. It's just. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how how pivotal that character will be, end up being. You know, because I mean, we've already seen him a few times in the trailer, so it makes me wonder. You know, again, who knows? Maybe, 
maybe this is a character who's central in the first three episodes since it is, you know, a three episode premiere. Like maybe maybe he'll be like a main type character mm. with Cassian. All right, I, my PC's having issues because I can't like select multiple things at once. That's why this is going so slow at this point. <laughs> You're so good. have patience because I'm sort well, of losing it with this computer. <laughs> well, no worries. When you were transitioning that next photo, just to um, throw out there to our listeners, another thing that came out this week was and um, andor was Diego Luna was getting interviewed and he actually confirmed that the first three episodes are about two hours long total for all three combined. So, you know, he basically said it's like a like a mini movie is kind of what he compared it to. So, you know, basically each episode is going to be about, about, 45, about, about 45 about, minutes. Yeah, about 45 minutes. So, yeah. you know, knock knock off five minutes each for the credits. So each, you know, we're talking it's going to be like an hour 45, hour 45. Which, which hour is 50. fine. Which oh, this yeah. is why. And, and we'll get into this next photo you posted, Chris. This is why I love the three-episode premiere, is because you need to set the tone of what the show is going to be. Well, well, see, Diego even mentioned that. He said, you got to set the tone, and he said, we have new characters we want to introduce to the audience, mm. and, you know, we want to be able to flesh them out versus just throwing the characters at the audience and, you know, hoping they understand yeah. who they are. Right. And again, they must have been listening to me over at Lucasfilm, because I've been saying yep. this for how long? <laughs> see, you've been saying it... Since we started this, <laughs> like you can't like because because yep. if they're so if their sole focus is miniseries and just on limited series, let's say limited is twelve episodes or whatever it is, then give us twelve episodes but release a chunk. Like the the boys do a good job at that. The boys have eight, an eight episode season. They give us the first three, and we're like, all right, greatest show ever because it's yep. so good. And they're both and all three an hour long a piece. So there we go. Follow the boys format. It works. Yeah. Um, yeah. this shot right here, I love it. Like I, first of all, those death troopers are fire. That's probably my, one of my favorite parts about rogue one are the death troopers mm-hmm. and how, how they communicate. So seeing those black troopers, dude, I need to get a helmet or a suit. Yeah. They oh. have that warbled up jumbled speech. So like other people yeah. can't hear their tactics. Like that is such a cool idea. Like they're the like black ops, like soldiers, like go in there, like the mm-hmm. Navy seals and just silence whoever well, they need to do. Oh, for sure. Like the Death Troopers to me, they remind me of like, you know, what you'd imagine like Star Wars's version of like the Spartans from from oh. Halo, like would be or even yeah, Call of Duty, like, you Call know, like the special force type troopers. And it's just uh, you know, they're so awesome and like, you know, fingers crossed, like we get to see them in action like they were in Rogue One, just because like, you know, there's always that little chance with Star Wars, like, hey, we're throwing cool looking characters in just to, you know, yeah. make merch. But I think Phasma. With, yeah, Phasma. <laughs> I think with Tony Gilroy doing this, that um, that there's a really good chance, like we're gonna get some awesome Death Trooper scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like. Yeah, and here's the thing: I don't need to see them with their helmets off. Like I, I don't yeah. care. Like I want to see them keep their helmets on and wreck people. Yeah. Like, cause the, these these stormtroopers, you know, out of all the troopers we've ever seen, I would say the only ones I'm actually scared are scared of are like the clones. From like the the Clone Wars show and obviously the movies, but I've never been scared of the stormtroopers until I see these guys. I'm like, okay, you know, especially when they're with Vader and when they're with yep. Tarkin or with a uh, Krennic, you know, some shit's about to go down. Yeah. Uh. So so with this character here, I don't even know her name. Like, probably like seventy five percent of these characters, I don't even think officially have names. 
mm. but there is a strong presence, it looks like, of the um, Imperial Security Bureau, or the ISB for short. You've seen Wolfler, uh, Lauren in A New Hope have that. You see Director Krennic have that white uniform. It's a commonality, and with the Death Troopers, so they're trying to flush out these spies, I'm guessing. Um, so I'm very curious to see more of this, this female officer. Um, a new character added to Star Wars, and that's always a good thing, obviously. Yeah. So. Oh, de definitely. I, I, hey, who knows? Maybe this is like you know, like you, like you mentioned, Chris. Like they're they're sniffing out a spy. Like maybe this is where we have like maybe she's on looking to like wherever Cassian, you know, and Cassian's getting nervous, you know, like it's going to be something like that. All right. Now I don't this, know what shot. What is this? This I, is curious. cool. I know. I I was like, okay, this has got to be Bracca because you have like the same ship that is cutting, and Bracca being the planet in Jedi Fallen Order, where it's like the junk planet that's breaking mm -hmm. apart the Republic cruisers and turning them into the Star Destroyers. This would take place about ten years after the events of of uh, Jedi Fallen Order, if we're looking at the timeline roughly. But I'm not. That's not to say there's not other salvage planets. Right, so I mean, the galaxy is a very large place. Not all the wreckage in the galaxy can go to a single planet, but I don't know if you have anything on this one to say, man. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I thought the same thing too, uh, Chris. I was like, man, that's got to be most likely Baraka, and like, also, why not? Like, it looks like it. It could fit the bill. I mean, this week you have Cameron Monaghan talking about how he'd he'd be open like playing that character in live action. So like. You know, you have you have all these little like connections to Fallen Order. Like, why not have Baraka in live action? And then, you know, it kind of sets a, um, you, you know, it's it gives them a model to work off of. Like, you know, we saw Mustafar and Kenobi. Like, you know, things like that. Like, you have those models like set. So, like, maybe this could be their first live action model of of Baraka. Yeah, yeah, Bad Batch, video games. Yep. Eventually, it's gonna make that the live action, the live action jump there. Oh yeah. Now we have another image. Now the reason why I said Brock as well because this character to the left of Cassian has that same almost uniform that you've seen some of those people have, even in the Bad Batch episode. I think of that yellow and that brownish. They could be part of the Mining Guild, which was also seen in Star Wars Rebels episodes. So, again, the jury is still out, but I think there's good credence that at least there's going to be some connections to, to Jedi Fallen. Or I don't think we're going to right. see Cal Kestis running around here with BD-1 or anything like that. But, yeah. you know, it's the, it's the Star Wars canon, so they, they're bringing stuff in. Could could these, uh, like, I guess scrappy people be, be, be connected to the group from the Bad Batch that go in and get wiped out by the, the Imperials. Like from, uh, what's his name? The, the main bad guy, the, um, the main bad batch, uh, Hunter like, or, uh, no, not crosshair, not, um, crosshair, crosshair. Oh, crosshair. Okay. So, so, you know, when, you know, when, uh, I think it's like the first episode or second episode, when crosshair goes in and wipes out Saul Guerrero's people oh, or yeah. whatever on that planet, maybe could this be taking place before, those events like maybe these people are the people that get like taken out in ah, bad batch i think that's way too far-fetched that, that yeah, seems like it's stretch. like way too much of a stretch the same hey. people hey we got we got we, we got bail and rogue one going hey i'll see you guys on alderaan <laughs> 
No, I want to take a look at this ship. This is this has got to be a, a a YT Corellian freighter because I'm looking at this this beautiful ship and it, it reminds me of a cross between the YT 2400 and the YT 1600, aka the Outrider from Shadows of the Empire and the Millennium Falcon. Like, and it looks a little bit like the Vault Cobra, which is from the comics that um, Son of Staros flies around the galaxy as a as a smuggler. It, it's just a really cool design. We're gonna see. The back of it um, towards the end of the trailer here, but damn, if Tony Gilroy, the the, the creator, the executive designer of all, uh, director of all this stuff, is uh, doing a great job of of letting the um, the illustrators design some new Star Wars ships, it's always great to see. No, it looks good. It looks gorgeous. I, this actually kind of reminds me of the ship from uh from uh oh my gosh um the what's the first Star Wars games that came out under Disney, the Jedi um. Battlefront 2. Battlefront. The the second game where okay. the the ship from the uh that squad, the Inferno oh, squad. It kind of reminds yeah. me of their ship. Their ship. I'm trying to remember what it is. <laughs> yeah, kind of looked that, like it was called it was called like the Corvinus or something. Oh, yeah, the Corvus. Does, yeah, the yeah, Corvus. Yeah, that does kind of look like oh. that. Oh. Yeah, so the person that's flying the ship I know he's got a name, but it hasn't stuck in my head yet, but this is he's the guy. The, he's the father to that Bill Star Bill Starsguard kid and oh. then like Alex Starsguard guy. They, they pretty Stella much the Stargard. kid that played yeah the guy that played it. <gasps> that this is his dad. Really. And then yeah and then uh, the guy that played um oh my gosh dude he played the Huntsman or Northman and just came out like he's the older brother to the Bill guy that played uh, in the it. Wow, that's so, yeah. really cool. There we go. Yeah, we got so this, our this, this film knowledge here on the podcast this week. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like nice. this. I, I I'm getting a feeling that this character could be like the father of the rebellion, as we know it, because it looks I got like that sense Building too. him up, he's got that relationship with Mon Mothma. In this trailer, you'll watch it, Milton. He's basically the one. It looks like he's going to be recruiting Cassian Andor into the ranks of the re- of the early rebels. So, a character we've we've never heard about particularly but they're going to retroactively i think make this guy an unforgettable character but we'll be getting references to this character probably for all this stuff in the future when it comes Mm -hmm. to books and comics we'll get references to this character about if it wasn't for this guy's sacrifice because where is in rogue one he's probably gonna die if it wasn't for so-and-so sacrifice the rebels would have never existed and when empire would have been ruling for a millennium or something like that so i'm looking forward to seeing what what's going to go down with this character for sure yeah, no, same here. Like he looks pretty interesting for sure. And this got me smiling when I seen this good old character. One of my favorite obscure side characters in all of Star Wars. It's one of the two brothers. You have Benthic Two Tubes. This is Benthic Two Tubes because Benthic Two Tubes is the guy that's always carrying the sniper. And then you have Edrio Two Tubes, who is the pilot that you see um, would be piloting one of the X wings of Caverny of the Caverns Angels. Um, Cavern Angels, yeah, I think that's yeah. British sure that's their uh, their little uh, Saul Guerrero's partisan squadron, if you will. But uh, yeah, these guys were also featured in Solo, so we know Solo was about five years before this this movie. So that gets me to bl- and I just had an epiphany thought right now. I think we're gonna see Emphis Nest because this guy was with Emphis Nest, you know. Mm. <laughs> he oh, was that's with true. Nest. So why, where is she at? Like she could be the other, the other side of the camera right now for all we know. 
That's that's actually a very good find there because she would fit the time period. She wouldn't be like shoehorned in, you know, that would that would actually fit really well because, you know, even when we did our commentary about Solo, we even mentioned like, you know, where's where's she Enfys Nest after this? I think I even asked you that, Chris, like how much is she really in canon, you know? So maybe maybe she is in this like, you know, and they slipped her character in here because it would fit the timeline. Yeah, Erin Kellyman can play ball with Disney. She's already been in the Hawkeye series. No, sorry, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yep. She's going to be a big character in the Willow series. So she's playing ball with Disney on Disney+. Plus. What's what's it to get her? Maybe, maybe she's not going to play a huge role, but maybe maybe she could be in like one of the one of the shots in, in like a rebel meeting. Just something yeah. very simple. They could get her on set for a single day when she's doing Willow. Oh, come over here to this, and we'll we'll have you film this. Or so, actually, no, that it's not that easy because I know they're filming this like in England or something. Well, but maybe on a soundstage. I don't know. Or even just a one-off episode, like you know, because I do feel like we're getting so we're getting twenty-four episodes of this show in total. Like we're gonna get some guest appearances. I feel like from big-ish characters. You know, maybe not the biggest hitting characters. Like, I could see, you know, an Infus Nest one-off episode like the Bo-Katan episode in Mando uh, Season 2, like the first Bo-Katan episode. You could, you know, I could see them giving us characters like that, <clears throat> excuse me, for, like, one-off type appearances because I don't think we're going to get 12 or, uh, say, 24 straight episodes of just, you know, Cassian and Mon Mothma. Like, sure, of course, the, they're, like, the main characters, but I feel like we're going to be getting some of those guest appearances. And Enfys Nest would, would fit. Hell yeah. And I think if you're doing a story, you know, this is called Andor. But I'm just, you know, you might as well call this the rebel, the beginning of the rebellion or something. Because we're getting yep. a Mon Mothma story. <clears throat> we're getting, as we see in this next shot here, we're getting freaking Saul Guerrero. And we, we heard the rumors. I mean, Forrest Whitaker even, I think, confirmed this in an interview from like some like <laughs> overseas podcast or something like that. But why not show us all the different aspects of the rebellion? The rebellion, especially in the fledgling rebellion, you know, it's got Ephesus Nest and the Cloud Riders, and you got the Partisism Saul, you got Mon Mothma, who's working things from the inside of the Senate doing the political stuff. And then you have whatever this revolutionary guy that recruits selling scars guards character so you, you could potentially have like four or five different like sub factions that by the end of this all kind of coagulate into one rebel alliance right it's the alliance like it's the coming together of these different disparate groups that are all suffering under the empire and need to come together to like band oh. together to you know more strength together to fight this thing so i i think this show you said it, it dawned on me it's like 24 episodes that is a substantial amount of screen time to really dive in deep this isn't just a six episode miniseries like a lot of the disney plus marvel stuff we have substantial time where we're going to be able to have these one-off episodes like you mentioned ben and we don't have yep. to feel like we're rushing to the end because oh my gosh there's only five episodes left or something right so it's going to be good to see how that how that reacts how we get to see the different structure of a Star Wars TV show in general doing it a longer format. Oh, for sure. I feel like with um, Saw Gerrera specifically, I think we're going to actually get what, um, you know, Mon Mothma's referenced about him before, like in Rebels and in uh, like Rogue One, like things like, you know, her referencing he's an extremist. Well, like, have we specifically seen 
that in the rebel context, like, why does she view that? So, like, maybe, maybe we get something in this show with Saul Guerrero where he, like, you know, messes up something. Like, say the rebels have something planned and Saul Guerrero and them take it a little too far and, you know, kind of messes up an entire plan. Like, maybe we get, like, kind of the backstory of why Mon Mothma is viewing Saul Guerrero that way. Yeah, that was a big thing in Rebels. Um, yep. That episode when they were basically like raising voices like yeah. on the base of Yavin, like, oh crap, what's going on here, you know? And this is the magic of Star Wars, just the the connections to other things that have come before and seeing one of my favorite designs in troopers is the good old mud troopers, the, the infantry troopers of the of the Empire making another appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, five years after Solo, so these guys are still uh, working alongside the Stormtroopers. Uh, I just love the look of these guys, like that good old like World War One trench warfare goggles, flanged mm-hmm. helmet, and just like bulkier armor. Pretty cool. No, it's it's a gorgeous shot, and that it remind yeah. When I saw this just now, it made me think of world war one world war two it actually kind of reminds me of the uh wonder woman one movie yeah just how oh, entrenched they were but it's nice and we all know george lucas and his inspiration his inspiration for star wars and for the stormtroopers was nazi germany was world war one and two and looking at that whole like you know uh, uh time in our our history in the world so it's nice to see that because this feels like this can be like in the trenches somewhere or maybe like you know, walking down the street to like, you know, Germany or something, doing the marching. It's cool though to see this. Oh yeah. Alright, so move it on from here. We got our different kind of transports. These are like the evolution of the LAT, the Republic gunship. So we see them going down to a planet. We've we've seen these ships before in, in the teaser trailer. Uh, they even had the Lego at Star Wars Celebration of these things. It's going to be a real big chase sequence between Andor. And, and I think his name is actually Luthien, the character's name, now that I'm trying to recall. So, again, more cool Star Wars space, spaceship designs. And uh, it's doing a lot more than the other shows have done, I would th- I would say, at this point. Did you say these were the uh, old Clone War uh, ships? I think yep. they, they look like it, right? They look like it from the back. Well, yeah, because they have shorter remember, wings on the side. Yeah, rem- remember from the teaser too, uh, it showed it from the side angle, and it looks like it. So, uh, I feel like it has to be, you know, maybe along with say that you know the clone troopers being in their phase two armor, you know, we're gonna get the more updated version of like the LAATs. So, uh, yeah, I th- I think it's a great a great shot, and like you mentioned, Chris, it's just another another example of like showing more star wars vehicles because i don't know about you guys like but for me like the more star wars vehicles the better like along with like to me it's like aliens and vehicles in star wars like the more of both of those the better mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah that, that that's my bread and butter of star wars is the vehicles yep now we talked about this guy a little bit earlier, and I'm saying this guy because we're looking at like the you know everybody's got a body double in, in this world, and this guy looks a hell of a lot like Sam Witwer. So, kind of made the joke on Twitter, but then people were like, "Oh my gosh, no, is he joking? This looks like Star Killer." You know, I, I don't think it. It's definitely not Star Killer, but I was like, "Damn, this guy could do a good body double for a good old Star Killer if we never needed him to be." 
I mean, you're not wrong. Just looking at this picture now, like, I I can see how people would think it's Sam Witwer or his stunt double. Uh, And clearly, this guy's not a good guy. Uh, Unless they want to troll me and it made me think that I'm an idiot, but he looks like he's part of the uh, Empire. (laughs) But here's the thing, and I don't know who these guys are. I don't think these guys are part of the Empire. I wish I had a better better image. But we've seen these guys in a previous trailer where they have this dark armor, but it's like there's like a red, like a a red edge on the armor. Mm going down so it's like dark armor with like a red edge like going down so it's like it doesn't look completely empire but they're bullying these people around this other planet so i I don't know if it's like a private corporation a private entity security force perhaps yeah Um, i mean i i could see it maybe being that but i definitely don't i mean like you mentioned milton this guy definitely doesn't have good intentions at minimum right yeah, so this is back at that planet, most likely, of the, the certain uniforms. Interesting, these guys, uh, they were being bullied by the same guy. Just showed you who was in that different kind of armor. So that's a cool alien. It almost looks like um, the Changeling from Attack of the Clones, Zam Wessel, when she's like in her alien oh, yeah. form. Like the bigger mouth. So I'm wondering if that is a uh, Claudite, because that'd be cool to see one of them again. Oh, that was yeah. kind of like a Planet of the Apes type monkey, like the original movie. <laughs> that does. Gosh, now that you say that, that definitely does <laughs> look like that. And it doesn't get old. Look at a new version of Coruscant, I will say. Let's it doesn't go. get old. You got the That's elevators. Fire. You got the, the, the ships above all the way in the space lanes. The reflections look fantastic. Just the whole ambiance of it looks amazing. Well, even looking at this shot, do you think we'll get, and it's just me speculating or guessing, do you think we'll get any type of elements from the canceled game of 1313 if they're going into, like, the lower levels of Coruscant? I, I do want to see, yeah, I hope they show the lower levels. The only thing we've seen so far is the fact that uh, they're working in the Senate. You know, we've only seen mm-hmm. shots of the Senate so far. So I hope that they go into the underbelly of Coruscant. I hope they do get to do that, but uh, well, that'd be awesome. I think I think they might might be able to do that just because think about it story wise, guys. Like you know, Mon Mothma could be the whole thing of like say Mon Mothma and Cassian are meeting. Cassian's like, hey, you stick with the the politics stuff. I'll go to the the sketchy area basically, and like you know, and they're taking it on from both both fronts. Mm. Could Maybe be, yeah. I would like to see. I would like to see like basically what we see in Rogue One, the first introduction of yeah. of Cassian on the Ring of Khafrein, walking around this very dank, steamy, just full of derelict type things and 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 dingy people, all, just all over. I want to see that in the lower levels, thirteen, thirteen, or it doesn't have to be there specifically, just anywhere in the lower levels. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man. I love seeing Lambda class shuttles in live action. And this thing looks freaking beautiful. So this looks like it's by a Zeta class transport that we see going to Scarif. I wish I could make this brighter. I could have, but I didn't. Um, I don't think this is Coruscant. It's on some industrial planet. Corellia, maybe. Oh, that'd be cool. Because at this point, yeah, Corellia would be under Imperial command. So that'd be, mm. that'd be nice. Maybe they're checking in on the development of some newer kind of star destroyer or something like that. What, what I wonder too, with a lot of, you know, we've seen a lot of industrious type places. I wonder if we get any like side, where was, um, I can't remember where was the whole tie defender project at? 
Oh, that was at Lothal. Oh, that was at Lothal, never mind. I was going to say, maybe we get, like, a TIE Defender factory thing, like, where Cassian's, like, sneaking around or something. But... Mm. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Seeing a tie defender, that'd be a little, little too early at this point, I think. Yeah. Let's see. And here's the same character, so it's interesting because there's, a, there's a time jump here. This guy's much longer hair than we've seen him earlier. And, uh, that's like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're, they're talking about the length of that guy's hair, but it's noticeable. So you know, we're, mm. we're speculating. It's gonna be a time jump. He meets he meets casting and and it's a little time jump, somehow. Yep, I'm calling it. I think I think the first three episodes you're gonna get the time jump like two and a half episodes in, I think, or two episodes in. Hmm. Yeah, and it, he does look a little bit look a little bit older than he did in his first picture. So. Yep, and here we see uh, not casting. We see Mon Mothma with Luthien. There's a nice little speeder behind them and they look like they're good friends so there's there's no animosity they are in cahoots together she's such a hottie <laughs> <laughs> but we see in, in Clone Wars like how Mon Mothma was already trying to get something going with Padme trying to get something mm. to go with Bale there was that deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith that this same actress happened to be in so it's cool right. to see that story come in full circle to, to see how that's all going to Come around, you know. Yeah, I forget what they call their group. Um, the petition of the ninety nine oh. or something, or I forget yeah, what something they're called. like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's some type of group that they started. I forget what it was called. Something ninety. I have to go back and look. Yeah, definitely had a distinct name. Yeah. Now this is great because they are putting this in a trailer, which means there's going to be some good old Star Wars space combat, and I will stand by my words: is that Rogue One Scarif third act, specifically with the flagships of the Empire and and the Rebellion, was some of the best Star Wars space battles ever. So it's great to see like this show is going to try to hopefully live up to that legacy and that milestone, and that that movie, that feature film, did for the Star Wars saga. And this ship looks so cool. Like this again. Like the back of that ship looks like the freaking Outrider. Like it's got that blue stripe. It's mm. augmented drastically different than the Outrider, which is. But it's like, oh, it's another Corellian freighter. And I freaking love Corellian freighters. Going back to the Millennium Falcon. But then, if you look above, I I didn't get a great shot of this. You can get you can find a better look. Not much better look online, but. That is a certain type of listening post ship that was in Star Wars Squadrons. It's a, it's a, it's a type of like spy ship or something. Again, like the ISB is going to be very um, prevalent in this series from the looks of it. So it's cool. Like this rebel spy guy is going to be trying to take it out. Apparently, this was like one of the, the design of that Star Destroyer type ship was one of the initial designs of the original Star Destroyer. It was like a concept. I don't know if Macquarie did it or somebody else did it, but again, it's cool seeing you know Star Wars borrowing concept ideas that never made it all the way fifty years later, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I think with the um, with the concept stuff, a lot of it has to do with maybe like the technology at the time to be able to make some of these mm -hmm. ships, some of these some of these uh, some of these ships even just work on screen. So like I think that's why they're doing that specifically but you know like you mentioned chris to like start this shot like it's great just seeing 
you know, an old fashioned Star Wars space battle. Like that's something Star Wars needs. Right. You know, the Rogue One, the Rogue One space battle is up there for me. Like it's in the top probably three best space battles because I, th- I still think Return of the Jedi is the best one. And then I would say Rogue One's probably like two or three for me. So like it's right there. Um, and I think there's potential like for us to get some really good space battles in this just based on this one shot alone. Heck yeah, yeah this, we, this is a gorgeous shot. It, it, you can, yeah, we need this. Like, we I, need it's, this. this would be, be a very highlighted moment of the uh, particular show for sure, if it's playing out the way it should. Yeah, we got Dark Nerdy Gonzo and Jesse Bennett in the chat chatting away. So, thanks to them, and you guys can always be part of the chat when we go live. Moving along, after that space battle, we have another shot. Oh my gosh, this shot of course not looks so cool. Now we are starting to see in the dark, dingy areas of the Coruscant skyline, all the way down below the darkness there. Will we go there is the question. But just panning around yeah, this image love it. here. Love it. And anything with Coruscant, you got me hooked. Like, it's just this planet, like, it's pivotal to Star Wars. Oh, I completely agree. I think, I think the cool parts, like, I feel like we're going to get a lot of really cool details with this show. Like, say, you know, we're getting this Coruscant, like, the the dirty sides of Coruscant. Like, I think there's a lot of potential, like just cool details that we'll appreciate maybe in this series. Like, you know, say when Cassian's sneaking around, we're getting, you know, he's walking by Imperial propaganda and stuff, you know, that sort of like those type of little details, I think we're going to get in this show. And that's, you know, they'd be brought out in a, in a place like Coruscant, especially. Right. Heck yeah. All right. Moving along here. It's kind of sad to see that Imperial logo on the, the, the whatever you want to call that thing that the Mon Mothma is in the Senate, like her little pit, her little uh, desk or whatever it is. It's like wow, yeah. this is the this is the Imperial Senate now. No, again, but Podium. I like I like what we're seeing. This though, this looks like this is what we need to see because I want to see the politics of what the Empire is like. Yeah, because. You know, Go it's got to it's got to be useless because no matter what they say it's 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 the emperor has the complete control. Exactly. He, he's just like, yeah, we're going to make it look like they have some kind of say in this tyranny and this, you know, empire, but they really don't. Whatever right. they say, I'm going to end up doing what I need to. He definitely needed the the republic senate to be around so he can keep up appearances but also he needed them to maintain that order until he got his people in place like that's why they were very specific to say in new hope he's like the imperial alliance is no longer we have we now have the governors so i think it took him time to get his people in place yeah Yeah, jesse bennett is saying i love that we're going back to the senate chambers politics have always been a big part of star wars and we finally get to see more of it yeah completely agree agree. man yeah oh yeah not not completely when I was a kid, not gonna lie, when I this so Revenge of the Sith was two thousand and five, so I'd have been a senior in high school. And this is when President George Bush was our president. And I used to joke with my dad and my brother, I'm like, dude, I ain't gonna lie, I like I think George Bush is Palpatine. Because <laughs> I was like I was like, Yeah, I think he's manipulating the whole war in Iraq and blah blah blah. And after seeing Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, Yeah, he he might turn us into an empire, dude. Like and of course I'm being an idiot. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's kinda does kind of line up but i'm a dumb senior in high school just doing stupid shit so yeah (laughs) that's great (laughs) this this is important for me this simple scene of hey there's a party 
Monmothma is there. There's some bystanders. This is what I like about things like Game of Thrones. You know, it might seem boring to uh, some people. Like, oh, it's just this talking screen, this talking scene. But these talking scenes can bring out the most of the characters. They really can. And it shows the universe and stuff we haven't really had in Star Wars, like dealing with the politics like this. Right. Oh, well, I mean, for but, sure. But here's the thing, though. If people want to complain about politics, they're the same people that focus on our politics here. And they know that irritates them, too. So it's like, why, why don't you just – I'd rather watch politics that's make-believe and actually interesting compared to, like, real politics that just stresses you out. You know, does that make sense? Oh, oh, definitely. Like, there's, you know, there's so many people that, like, worry about that stuff. And I feel like it just comes down to, like, the execution. Like, look at yeah. how much of Game of Thrones has, like, slower spots in it with po- political-type contriving, you know, conspiring things like – you know, as long as the dialogue and, and the tension of the scenes work, that's all that matters. Exactly. Well, people love, was it uh, House of Cards? Yep. Oh, yeah. House of and, Cards. Like, that's a political, and I love that show. Yeah. West Wing, such a good one, you know? Yep. Yeah, th- this one's cool. It's, again, my, this show's called Andor, but we are getting so much cool Mon Mothma action that I would have never thought I would I would say we were going to get when I was 10 years old hey, or something, right? I'm fine with it. She's a good-looking woman. Show her all that. <laughs> well, that's cool. I like, I like this, like, cool and, compl- and contemplative moment where she's just, like, chilling in her living quarters or wherever that is. Like, obviously, she has a lot of money, <laughs> judging by mm-hmm. the state of this huge chandelier and everything above her. But it's like a badass power move. Like, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in control kind of thing. Yeah, she looks. She definitely looks the part. I love that. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, just more, I, I like you mentioned, Chris. I think it's going to be a lot of almost feeling like it's like a co-star show between her and Cassian. Death Troopers doing what they do best: search and destroy, going through um, some location. Don't know what. Probably going after after Cassian, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, again, anything with Death Troopers, I'm locked in. You know, as long as they're wrecking people and not missing on purpose, <laughs> I'm good to go. <laughs> this is that woman from the teaser trailer. Again, another character that I do not know the character name of. Um, but she says something profound at the end of the trailer. I just wanted to showcase that, yes, she is still prevalent in this show. Don't know anything about the character, but, you know, wanted to include it nonetheless. And yeah, I, I, yeah. No, but I don't know who this person is. This is our new droid, though. Um, something B two EMO or something like that. I forget. I forget exactly what. I, all I know is it's the emo droid. There's some yep. letters before it. <laughs> but it's interesting the design of this droid. It's not sleek. It's not, you know, off the assembly line. It almost looks like maybe somebody could have put it together. I think it could be Cassian's droid. Maybe he just put it together himself, like assembled it different parts which is it's a cool cool idea a droid smith type of thing mm. kind of looks no, like it's a, a mailbox it's a dope, yeah it looks like a yeah like a mailbox maybe it looks like it folds into itself too do you see that yeah maybe it's you know maybe it's our pre um what's his name like maybe it'll be cassian's type droid before uh from uh the guy from rogue one the droid okay oh, 2so yeah k2so maybe it's like the pre buddy cop thing that's going to be with Cassian in this series oh yeah we got Aaron Daly saying I'm really looking forward to seeing more Mon Mothma she's such an underrated character glad to see her get more screen time 
I yep. agree. Exactly. This is, again, there's so many new characters. I, I love it because oftentimes we're like, yeah, it's great to get like cool nostalgia from, from old characters, but now we get these new characters we could play with that might show up later and give us those same nostalgia callbacks later on in something else. But yeah, she looks like she's playing the part of a pretty sly spy, maybe? Just walking around what looks like could be Coruscant, judging by like the stark white. Lights, I could be wrong. Maybe it's on Sandrilla. Maybe it's on Corellia. Who knows? But I like the costume at least. Oh yeah, I feel like I feel like she could be a spy. Could be. I mean, she's definitely going to be a uh, at least some type of a, a player in this. I uh, yeah, I would say probably a spy based on just the looks of her. Like maybe it's one un- because I I think a lot of these people we're seeing they're going to form Cassian's crew. Cause I, I, you know, I think he's not going to just be going solo, of course, through this whole series. So maybe a lot of these characters we're getting introduced to are like the buildup of, say, Cassian's pre-Rogue One crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good guess. That's interesting. Here we go. We got another Cassian without beard this time, looking quite young in this one. So. So they're playing around with the flashbacks, give him a beard to kind of get closer to Rogue One, take the beard off if he wants something a little closer to his uh, his time in the Separatist Alliance or something like that. Yeah, and I'm sure they maybe use some of that de-aging tech. They 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 gonna have they're gonna have yeah. to at least slightly. I mean, because he's not a, he doesn't look old in real life. I mean, they're gonna have to use it slightly just to touch him down a little bit. This is I, all I yeah. No, go ahead. You're good. This next one's awesome because it reminds me of something from Mission Impossible. You have these rebel spies rappelling down on a, on a grappling hook or something of that nature, just like jumping down this building. <laughs> oh, is so that badass. what they are? I didn't notice. I didn't notice them in this picture. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 jumping. They have their rappel line. They're just like jumping off this building, or this That's bridge. It could be Bat- Batman style. That yeah, basically. Eye. Yeah, <laughs> Golden Eye. That's ah, true. yes, golden eye. <laughs> All right, this is a, 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 a different species that has been getting a lot of attention online. People are like, oh, it looks like Ochia Bastoon and Mouse Kanata had a baby. Because <laughs> kind of does. It's that's, weird. That's is really that, funny, actually. Is that Cassie in there? Who is that? No, it no, it looks like some person with red hair. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, we got a new species in Star Wars. It's kind of like... Uh, Dexter Jetster, but without the bulkiness, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, bulkiness and the stained shirts and his but, ass but, hanging but, out. But speaking, <laughs> speaking of species, I mean, we have the legendary Neil Scanlon working on us. If you aren't familiar, he's the one that created the concept designs of all the things from The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker, Rogue One. I think he basically did every feature film, but I, I guess he hasn't been used with Mandalorian stuff. So I'm excited to see legendary Neil Scanlon doing the work of getting brand new species involved with Star Wars from his uh, his perspective. Right. Oh, yeah. Always a good thing introducing um, new species. You know, like I mentioned earlier, they just are a, um, an integral part of Star Wars. I mean, look, as we discussed the, um, the documentary earlier, the ILM documentary, like Lucas talked about how you know, important those species were like when they brought the different figures to him and were like, hey, which one do you like for the cantina scene? Because, you know, he he literally talked 
how the cantina scene had to work. Like the species had to work in that scene to make the scene play out right. And, you know, that's that's what happened there. Oh, yeah. This looks like something from the movie Avatar. Kind of like. I don't know. I, I'm getting that vibe. Like if she had blue skin kind of like it, it reminds yeah. me of like just like the clothes she's wearing mm. and the fact that she's like in a jungle and she's got a staff but you could also say it's like kind of like red because the way she's holding the staff at one point is the same way she'd be holding it against um what's his face uh finn when she finn. first meets him mm. on, on jacku at Nima outpost there what's up with the girl she got she got a soul patch on her face yeah I, that looks strange maybe that's like some war paint i don't know but yeah, it, it's it's different. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, Jesse Bennett also agrees. Looks like very similar race staff from TFA. Mm. Well, I'm very interested. I, is that the same character that I thought could be raised, uh, could be Poe's mom, or is this a different character? They do have a poster out for, for Andor, and it's cool. There, there's actually more female characters than male characters, so it, I think that could be a first for Star Wars, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, the female characters aspect, and then even um, I liked in that Diego Luna interview this week. He mentioned, you know, how he kept his accent because he wanted like, you know, yeah. the represented or the representation of like the the Latinas and stuff. So I thought that was a uh, you know great that he mentioned that as well. Oh yeah. And uh, this is our last image here. There we go. This is this is as epic as it gets. This reminds me of the imagery we got when they were escaping Jetta with the star with the Death Star just like doing the one ignition cell and just like causing the cataclysmic like crust of the planet to like envelop on itself. It looks like that. I'm like, how the hell do they have the budget to do stuff like this and the space scene like this looks incredible. They're pulling out all stops. I don't know how they're doing it. With even more episodes, double the episodes of Obi Wan, they're somehow pulling off better special effects from just from a I trailer. Think, honest to God, I'm gonna just come out and say it. I think they're starting to understand we can't skimp on that money when it comes to making the Star Wars. Yep. Because we gotta put Mando money into these other shows. Like Mando season one and two, you know they weren't made cheaply. Okay. Then also, so even looking at like some of the Disney Plus stuff, it gets kind of, or uh, Marvel stuff, it gets kind of weird in their budget. But <clears throat> we see like in Obi Wan, that was probably one of the weakest things were like the sets and yep. how it was very much like, eh. you know, we're seeing atmosphere, we're seeing budget, we're seeing money put on the screen as it should be because it's Star Wars. You this ain't this ain't 1977 where they use popsicle sticks and scotch tape. You know, yeah. that makes sense why they have to do that. You have digital technology. Use that money and make this the best environment because this is what George Lucas wants. This is his legacy. He tells you in the documentary how digital is important, special effects is important. Put the money in it because this is a great shot. This proves right here how dope this show is going to oh, look. For sure. Like for me, the thing with the whole um, the special effects and the shots and the scope of the shots especially, it just – I'm so hyped for this show just for, you know, we're going to actually see like expansive storytelling. It's going to feel like the movies feel like, exactly. man, feel like Mando. And to me, it just, it's almost like the whole disappointment and like kind of shaking my head. Like really like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm mega hyped for the show and everything, but 
it's like you put this type of budget into this show, but not Kenobi. Yeah. A le- like an icon. It's like it's just kind of like it's just a, it's just a head scratcher of like I, there's a lot of unanswered questions, I feel like, in terms of the behind the scenes budgetary um, things. But like for this show specifically, like all of these shots look phenomenal. It looks mm. it looks so much better than Kenobi or Boba Fett. And it's just not even close. Yeah. And that's and that's just scenery wise. I mean, I, again, we don't know the story in itself. Yeah. You know, for, but it's like just for what it looks like. We're seeing that they're not skimping on that bread. Listen, let's be real, Disney. You're not hungry. You ain't you ain't losing anything anytime <laughs> soon. Okay. Yep. All right. You got you got plenty of bread. Okay. Because we keep coming back to you. We're giving our money away. So spend that money on these shows. It's worth it because we're going to watch them. You're going you're going to get that revenue. So just put the money in it. Heck yeah. Okay. So while you guys were chatting, I did end up pulling up the official poster we have here. There's a lot of characters on this, man. A lot. But here's the thing, though, though. This is a tradition, and, and maybe this sounds negative. I don't mean it to be. But this is pretty much the same format they've been using for a lot of Star Wars posters over the last five to seven years. You, you note how it's very triangular. Yeah. Yep. The one major character, the semi-major character. So you got the lead, then it's the semi-lead. And the other ones rounded out, and more the lesser characters. This is the same formal, I guess, formulaic is what I want to use, formulaic format of the poster. Is it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it doesn't really excite me any more than what I already am. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, to me, it's it's kind of just your run of the mill. I hate to say generic, but it is. It's your just run of the mill generic solid poster. It's not horrible, not amazing. It's just just fine. It's just good. Yeah, it's it's definitely not trash. So I don't want I'll make it very clear. It's not a bad poster. It's just very formulaic and how it's been structured. You go back to the Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi. It's all the same, you know, um, yep. which is fine. It works for them. It's like you know, Ben, you've referenced it in our podcast. Bill Belichick, do your job. If it works, yep. it works. They're doing their job. Yep. It works for them. So we're yep. fine with it. <laughs> Yeah, so that is basically it for for all the footage that I have from from the trailer. I thought it was substantial enough to, to chat about because uh, there is a lot in this trailer that I thought was very cool from a story speculation perspective, but also from uh, just how it looks. You know, sometimes you just gotta look and and, and see the beauty of of some really cool Star Wars spaceships and cool character designs, and it, mm. it it's very simple from that perspective, but Hey, a lot of times that's all we need. That's all I need. So there you go. And here's the thing. The next thing I want to talk about before we wrap things up. We got the trailer. You know, we, we were all hyped up August 31st. We are in August now. Yeah, Cassie Andor is coming out this month. But wait, they pushed it back to <laughs> September 21st. But now we're getting instead of two episodes, we're getting three episodes doesn't make sense because I know people, I don't know him personally, but I know people have seen two or three episodes already. So it's not like they're, it's not like these episodes, they're, they're rushing to finish them. Like they're there, they're holding these back. My assumption is because they're kind of afraid of House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power taking too much steam away from Andor, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because it's like, they're not like movies. It's not like how... Solo is going to get cannibalized by Avengers and then it's going to lose a lot of money. Like streaming services, it's not imperative that you see the new episode of whatever on the first day it comes out. That's not a big deal. It's just 
they're trying to get more people to buy into the service. Um, but they still want that hype word, that the hype to go around. I guess they figure if they're the last of the big things to release, maybe the recency of that will allow it to keep gaining steam past everything else. So I thought that was interesting, a little disappointing, but the cool thing is we're basically going to have a Star Wars movie to watch on September 21st together, um, you know, collectively across the world watching something big and bombastic as what we've been talking about from the visual effects shots, the cinematography, the amount of characters, amount of perspectives. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, Ben, I know you had something to say about um, just what's yeah. going on with the delay. Slight delay, to but it's not even a month delay. It's just restructuring where they're going to put this around. Yeah, to me, I don't know. When I first saw it, I just kind of rolled my eyes at like, here's another delay for Star Wars under their belt. Um, like that, that was my initial reaction. And then also like I, you know, of course you have those other big properties like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and whatever else um, going on, the Marvel stuff. But to me, I, I like kind of disagree with the whole, you know, they're worried about take like, you know, viewership going to other shows, etc. Because for the most part, not to like generalize fandoms, but like Marvel fans are probably Star Wars fans. Lord of the Rings fans are and Game of Thrones fans probably dabble in Marvel and Star Wars. So I feel like they'll get their viewership like one way or another. It's like to me, it's like you're Star Wars. You shouldn't fear, uh, you know, Nothing. quote unquote fear. You shouldn't fear anything like you should be you should. You should, for all intents and purposes, go and release this on the day Game of Thrones comes out. You know, you know, do something. You know, you shouldn't be scared of other franchises. And like to me, it's like the viewers nowadays. It's not like, it's not like going to. You know, as you mentioned, it's a streaming service. It's not like going to the movie theaters. Everyone wanting to go opening weekend and shell out. You know, say three hundred million dollars or or whatever for a movie opening weekend. Like it's a it's a streaming service. It's paid for. So, like, you know, mm -hmm. it'll get the viewership. And, for example, you know, it's not even, like, me speculating. It's it's um, it's proven, like, when, when... So, like, the Kenobi numbers, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, when they took in the Kenobi, the first two-episode premiere, Kenobi premiere date, they took in the viewership from that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was, like, that weekend viewership oh. is how they did the numbers. So, to me, it's, like... You know, if if you're gonna take the viewership from like three days or so, or like why, why worry about it? Because you know, there's some people realistically who are not gonna watch, Andor, Game of Thrones, any of these shows, the exact day it comes out because it's the middle of a work week or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, given I feel like Game of Thrones, I'm not sure when they are. They'll they'll probably be Sunday night like they used to be. I but think so. Okay, so so Game of Thrones. See, like, there you go. Like Game of Thrones, that'll take care of itself on Sunday nights. I'm not Sunday. sure the other. I'm not sure the other shows release dates. I got. I got the dates Such. right here. Okay. Um, and, and I do want to interject real quickly. Yeah. Because um, I think we're ready to to kind of move on at least from from yep. from scheduling. Not quite. Um. So now there's an interesting switch. She-Hulk is now coming out on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So here's what your schedule is looking like. Everything has its own day. Wednesday is going to be Andor. Thursday is going to be She-Hulk. Friday's Rings of Power, Sunday is is uh, Thrones. So like everybody has their own day at least now. Yeah. For me as somebody that will watch this stuff the day it comes out, I'm gonna be a little bit alleviated because I don't have to like sit there and watch two or three things in the same day to be a part of the discussion and not get spoiled all the time. Yeah. So I'm like kind of like 
happy, but it, it, it makes sense because when Obi-Wan was coming out, Ms. Marvel was, like, not doing well on the numbers. It did great on the critic response. I loved the show. But as far as the numbers, I don't think it was doing as well as it should have because Obi-Wan was cannibalizing on itself. And I was saying this from the beginning. Me and Ben were like, why are you putting yeah. out Marvel and Star Wars on the same freaking day? It makes no sense. If you're trying to get day one viewership... Just split them up. Like, because that's what that's what um, Jesse Bennett in chat is saying. Uh, you know, maybe they were looking for that day one viewer numbers. Then split them up. I mean, yeah, I get not everybody's watching things on the same day, but for those of you that are, it makes it a little bit easier. I mean, why not? I mean, if nothing else is coming out on Thursday, put something out on Thursday and not have it all crammed up in one day. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I do just want I'll throw in there real quick, Milton, before your point. I do think, though, um, this will have long term ramifications because. After mm. September 21st, I'm not sure how many uh, weeks, nine weeks after that would be, but it's going to push back Bad Batch probably um, oh, much farther. Think? Oh, yeah. I, I bet you because, you know, um, you know, like, like I talked about, like, sure, Star Wars shouldn't fear cannibalizing uh, or like, you know, going against other other shows. But I do feel like if you release a live action Star Wars show and an animated Star Wars show on the same day, the live action show will cannibalize the animated show's viewership. So to me, I think that's going to push Bad Batch back to say October 20. I, I, I would, I mean, like if you think about it, so um, nine weeks after, after the release of Andor is about Thanksgiving. So if you release Bad Batch, say mid-November, mid-November, late November, that can run clear up until The Mandalorian comes out basically at the end of February. So, you know, I, I think I think Bad Batch is going to get pushed. I think they should have animation for Disney Plus release on Tuesdays, live action yep. Star Wars Wednesdays, live action Marvel on Thursdays. There you go. Problem solved. Hey, there you <laughs> go. But Milton, your your point, sorry, no, you're good. I was gonna say like just just give me the damn give me the damn show already. Like I'm tired of these delays. I'm I'm at this point I'm used to everything being canceled or delayed at this point. So yeah. don't even give us re don't give us release dates. Honestly, I'm being dead serious. Like stop even hyping it up for release dates. Say, just oh, come out and say out it's gonna it's coming out tomorrow. Just drop it on us. Exactly. Yeah, there like, we go. Like, I don't I don't I don't need marketing at this point because I'm gonna watch the show. Because I feel like every other week there's some type of cancellation or delay. Or push. I mean, how many times over the last year and a half has half the DC properties been pushed or delayed? And now recently look, canceled some of them. Um, look, Batgirl like got flat out canceled. Yeah, like they're not even releasing it. Oh yeah, but nobody. No, yeah, but no, nobody wanted to watch that. Let's no, but, but but I mean, dude, that's just the, your point, though. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, wait, no, Michael Keaton was going to be on as Batman. You got the, the, the Gordon was going to be in that. I think oh that yeah, yeah. Look, I, good. I, I, I probably would have watched it eventually. Again, just like with Miss Marvel, <laughs> I would have watched it eventually. Still haven't watched it yet, by the way. Um... But with, um, but even with like Marvel, how many times they push stuff? So it's like at this point, stop committing to dates. Make the damn movie. Make it the best thing you can or show. And then say, hey, in, in a week or two, we're going to release it. That's when you should let us know. Because we get this. I guarantee you in two weeks, something else is going to get pushed. Because <laughs> it is what it is. Well, Milton, so. forget two weeks. Probably, probably in two days on Monday, something else will get pushed for Marvel, DC, or Star Wars. Just because it's like, yeah. I, I feel like we're just so used to it by now. Like, there's always something getting canceled, something getting yeah. delayed. And it's just, it's like, why can't, why can't 
these studios just plant a flag and say, no, our show is getting released this day. Deal with it. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, Andor's Andor's done. It's not like they're reshooting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now we're on, we're in an era for me, at least it's an embarrassment of riches. As far as TV is concerned, I'm watching better call. So I'm watching resident evil. I got Sandman that came out today. Don't forget tales of the Jedi too. So, you know, if it's not one show, I'll be watching another, but, uh, yeah, I mean that that's about that's about does it. you guys got any final thoughts on uh, Andor or anything else for what we discussed today? Other than that, we'll wrap it up. No, I'm good, man. Just ready for these shows to come out. Stop playing around. <laughs> Quit these delays. Come on, give us a show. Yeah. So you guys on the channel, you can find on YouTube.com/StarRaptor my review for Star Wars Padawan. I think it's one of the worst Star Wars books. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that, <laughs> go ahead and check out that review because I, for once, didn't do a spoiler-free review on a book because I had to get my thoughts out on that one. I know Milton's going to enjoy that one. So <laughs> it involves using I think, I th- fake I th- force. Yeah, I think Milton. I think I watched a little bit of that video. <laughs> now I, I think I I think I don't disagree with you if it's that bad. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely tell you more about it after. Well, no, because I feel like I feel like I've heard some of it. Is this where they kind of insinuate that he might be gay or something? No, that's or, that part I don't care about because oh, actually I think that was taken okay. that was taken Milton, out of control. That wasn't okay, really. So, so Milton, this is coming from a guy who just listened to Chris explain the spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert to anybody that is listening right now. But but you can listen to one of the worst Star Wars stories possible. So basically. These people that Obi-Wan, these kids that are younger people that Obi-Wan runs into on this planet, they're mm-hmm. eating, they're eating these orbs of power and they're like getting kind of force abilities, but they, ha- but it's basically like kind of cancer where it's slowly killing them. That's like how it k- took out their parents. So you, that's, it's like, what are we doing here? Star Wars? Like you, you, <laughs> what, why, why allow that type of a story to even be in existence? And like when Chris was explaining this story last week, I was like, man. This, I would have loved to see your reaction, Milton, if you would have bought this book with your money and read it. Like, no, yeah, I ain't gonna even listen to. You know what? I'm I'm gonna watch your spoiler fully and be like, all right, this is trash already. Like that 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 sounds stupid right there. Because I'm like, why would you eat something that's killing you? But all right, it, it killed your parents. But I'm gonna eat that though. All right, that They're makes like, no sense. Well, they basically said, oh my, our parents. That was her dying wish is to is to follow <laughs> our example. But they I'm right died. Now. Oh, I'm say right now, my my younger sister just had her first kid on Wednesday. There's no oh. way my sister's gonna tell her daughter if she's happened to be passing. Hey, my dying wish is for you to eat the same food that killed me too. Stop. Well, that see, makes no sense. Here's here's the thing with that whole. Uh, here's the wildest part. That book is actually um, it was like on the New York Times like top hundred list last week when it came out. I yeah, couldn't and believe it. Ain't gonna that. be on my list. So. But, uh, <laughs> The, the crazy thing is, um, uh, you know, like the author, like not not to like dunk on the author or anything, yeah. because, hey, it's creators and their stories. But she like she even knew like the, the backlash from it, because if you notice, she's turned off like half her tweets. Like they're only like you're only able to respond if she follows you. Like, so, yeah. you know, it's just the Star Wars community. It's like that to me. It's the whole thing of our analogies. Like when you talk football. Like, you know, you're getting too cute with your play calling. Like, you're doing a trick, end around, reverse pass, toss back to the quarterback, toss man, back to the running man, back, throw it, you know. It's, it's way the Seahawks throwing on the one-yard line. Yep, that's all it is. Like, you have an Obi-Wan Padawan book. Like, how can you mess that up? I just Marshawn don't get Lynch, it. Marshawn Lynch, 
Give him the yeah. football on the one yard line. Here, here, here's where I think it. Here's here's where my discussion earlier on in the episode came back to haunt us because I was talking about tie-in books. I feel like this book was obviously rushed. They had a yep. deadline. Let's give it to this this upcoming. Well, I don't know if she's upcoming. I don't want to discredit her. Let's give it to this young adult novel um, author, and she'll come up with something. And I guess maybe she hit a roadblock or something, and they wouldn't push it back. And they said you yep. just got to finish it. I, I'm just coming up with speculation. This is not anything I know of. Just being clear, but I don't I don't know what could have happened to have this happen. Um, I'm going to address Jesse Bennett's comment uh, that raises a whole new question. Uh, I might have to read this book now. Yeah, so basically what happens is they conveniently tie off this planet. The The planet gets enraged. It's a living planet. When they take these kids take too much of this orbs away, the planet gets angry. And it's a symbiotic planet. So the roots of the trees go into these orbs that then the, the, the creatures eat the orbs. And then they get frenzied. And then there's this guy that used to be on that planet with these kids that left the planet. He comes back to the planet with Dexter Jester to mine the planet to get this stuff. And then he mines the planet. It's so I'm not, stupid. I'm Bro, not, I'm not, I can't even hear this right now. It's so dumb. The, the guy know, is watching the Milton. guy. The guy is the uncle of these kids. He just decides I'm going to eat as much of this stuff as I can get. He turns into a Dragon Ball Z character who goes power level over 9000 or something Shut like that up. and it's like I'm done. he falls into the thing <laughs> falls into like what is it the, so the, the thing from DC it's like the pit where Joker goes in and Ra's al Ghul it's the Leviathan Yo, pit uh, the Lazarus pit it's Lazarus like a Lazarus pit. pit he falls in he comes out he's like purple goo and then he's like lifting Holy. up boulders he's lifting up boulders over his head Obi-Wan uses the force to flick a little pebble into his head he drops the thing and kills himself <laughs> I'm done. That's stupid. Don't don't admit yeah. You know I'm not gonna watch and that then, video now. I'm sorry, Chris. And then, and then they all have to get off the planet because the planet gets really angry at that point. They fly off the planet that and then the incredible. planet turns into a star. They can't go there anymore. That's no, trash. So basically, trash, so basically, if Lucasfilm and Disney, if you're watching, and Kathleen Kennedy, mm -hmm. if you guys are watching, my full interpretation from this podcast is. Scrap every upcoming live action show, and Milton, Milton, Milton is requesting you do this as a live action uh, ten part series. If they do, oh my god, I'm not even joking. Like I'm tweeting, I'm Instagramming all day because that's. Strange. Oh my gosh, I mean, I, I and I'm not no disrespect to the author. I'm sure she's a very nice person. I and she has really good ideas in the story about. Obi-Wan and his, yeah. like, battle with, like, does he belong with the Jedi Order? Qui-Gon is not, yeah. like, being a great mentor from his perspective. But the entire time, this was, like, a, a test by Qui-Gon to make it, like, so that Obi-Wan would go out and do something and, and break the rules a little bit because Obi-Wan follows the rules too much, whereas Qui-Gon is more of a maverick, as we know he is, against yep. the Jedi Order and all that sort of thing. So there are really good ideas in here, but it's just, like, the execution was, was poor. Trash. Yeah, but hey guys, that's a that's a fun way of wrapping up the podcast, having <laughs> yeah. a good laugh. Oh man, I'm like I have like tears in my eyes just explaining that, <laughs> laughing so hard doing that. But um, all right. So if you want to see that review, go on the channel right now. It's up there, and you can watch watch me talk about that yet again. Um, and I have my review for summer vacation on on the channel. So there you go. Um. 
what I'm doing this weekend, I might try to restructure some things in this room, Star Wars-wise. I'm going to have to go and get another bin because I've gotten to the point where if I want to introduce new Star Wars collectibles, I unfortunately have to pack away some old ones to make space for the new ones. So I didn't want it to get to that point, but but here we are. So that's what I'm doing this weekend. What are you up to this weekend, Ben? Yeah, for me, um, nothing too much, really. Just kind of chilling, catching up on... Uh shows and actually i'm probably going to watch the new uh predator movie uh over this oh. weekend um because i'm super excited for that so probably going to watch that and then i uh i'm looking at uh potentially starting the sandman show because i heard people talking about that today i think that just yep. came out today or it might have came out yesterday today. okay so so that show um i might look into that one and uh it's you know like we discussed last week I feel like shows are coming out in such rapid fire succession. It's like hard to keep up with. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to watch one of those two. I'm going to minimum watch the Predator movie and then we'll see what what comes next. So between that and then just uh, working out like normal, uh, just uh, yeah, working out, meal prepping, just kind of like the norm. Nothing, nothing too extravagant planned for this weekend, really, honestly, just just kind of chilling. Um, so, you know, anyone listening, if you want to talk Star Wars with me on Twitter, you can find me at Real Ben Maynard. And if you want to find my workouts and just keep up with me uh, working on getting shredded, you can find me on Instagram at Real Ben Maynard as well. There you go. What about you, Milton? Uh, it's going to be a chill weekend, man. Uh, it's going to be my nice. first weekend officially back, obviously with vacation being done. Just going to just get stuff done around my place, watch some shows if I can, um, get a workout in tomorrow. But other than that, just be chilling. Going to actually get the get an opportunity to see uh, my new little niece who was born on Wednesday. So hopefully I get to connect with her and her mom and her dad. That'd be nice. But uh, if you guys want to follow me, I am on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or on Instagram at Milton7Weber. Oh, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Um, yeah, congrats, man. So you're an uncle to, to to that child as well as uh, another one or two? Well, I have, I have a godson in, who lives in Florida who I visited last week. I have, a, I have a couple nieces and nephews, but this is my sister's first kid. Oh, cool. So, cool. Yeah. There you go. And uh, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. As I said, we go live every Friday around 9 o'clock Eastern. And you can find us on any of your podcast platforms of choice. Um, just search Outer Rim Transmission. New new episodes go live Monday mornings. So with that being said, that's going to do it for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, Milton, for Ben. Thanks to everybody in the chat, to Jesse, Dark Nerdy, Gonzo. That's going to do it for Outer Rim Transmission number 69. Be safe, everybody. May the Force be with you in Transmission. <laughs>